The Power Trip is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. You can find more, more phenomenal Kaiju and Tokusatsu content at kaijuramenmedia.com. What's up, everyone? It is JDF the Green Ranger, and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's more for time. Lisa! Hello, listeners with Attitude. I'm Michael. And I'm Nathan. And I'm Alex. And we're continuing our journey through the Power Rangers franchise. In today's episode, we're discussing... Power Rangers Dino Charge and Dino Supercharge. So, Nathan, uh, I have to tell you, I am super mega excited. No. Because we're going to be talking no. about. <laughs> you we didn't don't even talk about Turbo or Mega Force. <laughs> you didn't even let me finish, damn it. Come on. I was just going to say, I'm super mega excited because we get to hang out with our friend. Alex Cornette from the MVM podcast today. I wasn't going to say anything about the Power Rangers <laughs> Megaforce. Jeez, come on. <laughs> Hashtag triggered. <laughs> it's a lot of volatility over here. I'm not. There is a lot of volatility. Yeah, you, Alex, you just don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Well, you will today, but you really don't know uh, what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, but yes, uh, listeners with attitude, uh, we are joined by one of our good friends and longtime podcast cohorts, Mr. Alice Cornette. So, Alex, say hi to the folks and. For the probably the three people that don't know who you are or have never listened to your <laughs> podcasts, um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. Yeah, uh, I'm, again, I'm Alex. I'm part of the Monsters vs. Men podcast where we just review monster movies every week. Uh, sometimes we're a little lenient on the term monster. And <laughs> too lenient. <laughs> Yeah, what a is sometimes. a kaiju? Is that one of our three questions today? <laughs> oh my god, uh, we, we we don't get if it's a monster, it works, and then if it's a really bad person, sometimes it might work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's happened twice now, where we like watch a movie, we're like, oh, there's actually no monster, was there? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, and then I also do the Thirteenth Floor podcast, which is on hiatus, but it's coming back at the end of October. So okay. Uh, Everybody can enjoy that. Maybe whenever this comes out. Um, yeah, we. I've I've been a big. Well, Nathan and I have both been a big fan of MVM for a while. I think we all came up. We all kind of started our shows at the same time. Well, I know uh, it's nutty to think about that. <laughs> like there were a yeah. bunch of kaiju podcasts that popped up at the same time. Yeah, yeah. my my other show, Kaiju Weekly, the Kaiju Groupie podcast, Nathan with the Film Vault, and the MVM, we all kind of started at the same time, which was coincidentally during or right before pandemic, if I'm mm-hmm. not, if I'm not mistaken, like around 2019. So yeah, it's 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 funny to think about. We've all kind of grown up together in a really weird way. 
Yeah, it, it's it's inter- it's interesting to see how many podcasts have gone away. Also, um, it during that time, mm-hmm. I guess your podcast went away, Michael. I forgot it did. Yeah, it was like, well, I, I had two. I had two. Uh, the the Kaiju Groupie podcast, which is the one I did, the interview show I did, uh, yeah. and then the Kaiju Weekly podcast that I we were doing that I was doing with with our mutual friend Travis. Um, that had to go on hiatus for an extended period of time. So yeah, I mean, this is my only gig now. I'm actually kind of happy about that, that this is my only gig right now. Yeah, well, I was yeah. just going to say that the couple of people have jumped in to replace your show. I mean, it took two of them to do it because Kim, well, you know, yeah, does that way because uh, your show was an interview show. And so she interviews people on her YouTube channel. And then our friend Donnie Winter is doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are both fantastic shows from from very fantastic people. I, we love Kim. We love Donnie. Uh, uh, go check out their podcasts, Kaiju Kim and, and Donnie Winter. Uh, both both wonderful, wonderful people. But before we get too far into the weeds, uh, Alex, yeah. when we have a guest on, we like to ask three questions. The oh. questions three. What um, is your name? Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. That joke again. Um, so, <laughs> what is the airspeed of a pterodactyl zord? I... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in all seriousness, the que- the first question is the questions are: uh, Who is your favorite ranger? What is your favorite ranger moment? And what is your favorite non Power Rangers franchise or just piece of media in general? Oh wow. Okay, ranger moment. So that's gonna be interesting. But my favorite ranger might actually be Billy, oh. uh, the original Blue Ranger. I think he gets a lot. I, I, so I wasn't really clear on what happened with him during Zio, right? So yeah. when I watched it, that was kind of new for me. And to see a ranger kind of pass on the torch willingly mm-hmm. and be such, such an instrumental part and in how to, you know, how they, they save the day every time because of his inventions and stuff. I really like him because he's not like a lot of the others. He doesn't quite know how to fight as well until the later seasons. You can right. see, you know, he gets buffed up pretty well. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. David Yost he's is pretty, the buffest nerd ever. <laughs> he gets so jacked in like the third season and Zio. <laughs> he's huge. Um, but I just really like his character and all that. I hate that he gets kind of written off the show the way he does. And you mm. all even mentioned it on the show when they said he's so excited he can hardly talk. And it's like, oh, really? <laughs> like, you <laughs> did that to my boy? I know, yeah, but he's coming back. But he's coming back for Cosmic Fury. That's all that yes. matters. That's, that's, I, I've heard something similar to that. So I'm very excited about that because I just think it gets overshadowed by Jason and mm-hmm. uh, and Tommy, yeah, just the entire time. But I think he's just so interesting, and so yeah. yeah. Um, and, and David Yost wants to actually do his own little Power Ranger miniseries. He's been trying to get that made for a while. Yeah, I uh, I follow him on Twitter after I was watching Zio, and he gets written off the show, and I was like, you know what? I, I kind of wanted to look into everything behind the scenes and all that, and uh, I followed him. I saw he, like, he he's written this whole thing, and he puts little excerpts out online and people can read it. It's pretty cool. Um, and then my favorite Power Rangers moment. Ooh, you know, you're going to hate this. I think and this is, this, I don't know if this is my favorite. This is probably recency bias. I was going to say it, but okay. Uh, the end of turbo is the so show good. Okay. or the movie, the, the, tur- the, the show. Okay. 
those final two episodes are awesome. <laughs> I, I I have my qualms with it, but those two, I will concede that those two episodes are good. So, I mean, just I just the wish it wasn't Divatox doing. I know, it. I know. Like the, but like with the number of piranatrons surrounding, breaking every door in, you really do like start to wonder, like, how do they get out of it? And the answer is, is well, a little bit of plot convenience, but uh, <laughs> but they actually lose, and mm-hmm. they lose everything to the point that they have to go to space, which is just awesome. I absolutely right. love that. Right now, I, I, I'm not as favorable to. Oh, I have to leave the planet. I'm not going to finish the job. I don't like that part of the the episode, but mm-hmm. I just I I love the assault on the the power chamber and everything because they're fighting with fire and sparks shooting everywhere something we never i mean we see sparks all the time it's but but we don't see it like this where i'm like oh so i could see someone getting caught on fire in this scene right it it was pretty cool right i have to admit i was really impressed with what they did there it felt very lord of the rings and this was before lord of the rings out of like Man, they threw a bunch of money at this. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of extras. That's a lot of stunt work. I mean, they're out on location. I mean, geez, guys. Mm-hmm. That's what I told my wife. I, I told her, I was like, it's like they saved the entire budget for the entire season for the last two episodes. Favorite non Ranger franchise or, or, oh. or piece of media in general? I'll pick a franchise since that's the original question. I, I, you know, I am a Godzilla fan, but I'm not going to pick Godzilla. I'm, oh. I'm not going to pick Marvel, even though I Ooh. am a big Marvel fan. I actually kind of expected that, but yeah, oh Marvel is one of my favorites. But my, I think my favorite franchise is the Alien franchise, which we're covering really? in right now. Yeah, I'm a oh. really big Alien fan. I, I, I love that. I love those movies a lot, and Predator. I mean, th- those franchises cross over, I guess. So. I could probably lump them together. Um, I, but... I quote Predator <laughs> frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it deserves to be quoted. It, uh, <laughs> even though I think most people I have all the memes online. It's one of the most memeable movies, I guess, ever. Uh, and had the most politicians probably come out of it. <laughs> yeah there were two go yeah. there were two governors and one attempted governor I yes. think, that came out of that because yeah jesse ventura schwarzenegger and then they both became governors and then one other guy i was Bill, told, uh, the, the ran, guy that, but i don't know who yeah the guy that played billy the native american that could, oh he ran uh, for so, governor he, yeah, he ran yeah. for governor in kentucky uh and lost but yeah he <laughs> he ran uh, I, I think the the opposition research was a little too much for him uh, he, he, had, he had some other background issues anyway but the, those two franchises really are part of what got me into monster movies on top of the Godzilla franchise because right. I used to watch those on like TNT and TBS in oh, my yeah. room when I was way too young and oh, so yeah. I was I've been, I, they're just part of my childhood even though they totally shouldn't have been um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I've always just loved those franchises. I had the toys back then. I, I always kind of wonder, like, what did my dad, my mom think? Like, maybe this kid shouldn't want Predator and Alien toys. Like, how does he know about these? But they never ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had parents who were a little bit more like that. It's like, no, I can watch Power Rangers. It's totally okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't. They never cared about anything like that. I mean, they it, they would not have let me watch that if they knew that I was watching it. But I guess they were totally okay with it after I had done it already. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
It's like, you know, we all grew up during the time of the satanic panic. So everything was the devil in the early, in the early to mid nineties. Yeah. yeah, They, it would just shift to whatever was the, you know, devil thing of the, of the week, you know, whatever the pop culture darling was. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was, you know, it's like power Rangers died as evil mortal combat. That's evil too. And (laughs) that, then it just went from mortal combat to all video games. And (laughs) Man, I, I'm glad I I must have missed the boat on the Satanic Panic because I didn't know about it till a long time afterwards. And I did, you know, my parents both are uh, Christians, so you would think that that would have bled over if they were. I would have thought that would have bled over, but it just never did. There was never a concern. The biggest concern I ever remember there being, and my dad, he just didn't care. But my mom was like, "Don't watch The Simpsons." I don't know what it was, <laughs> The Simpsons. But my dad was like, "Yeah, we'll watch it." But when she gets here, we gotta change the channel. <laughs> I was never allowed to. I was never allowed to watch two things: Beavis and Butthead. Actually, oh. I take that back. I take that back. I was never allowed to watch three things: Beavis and Butthead, Ren and Stimpy, and wrestling. I was never allowed to watch. Those Interesting. Three things. Wrestle. What was the big deal with wrestling? I, I, you know, I didn't watch uh, it back then, so it was a little edgier back then. One, that one, one word: puppies. What? All the wrestling, all the Attitude Era fans out there will know what puppies means. Um. Uh, scantily clad <laughs> women with large oh. breasts. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. And they didn't want uh, you watching that. They, <laughs> well, they they didn't want me watching it because it was a little bit more. Uh, it was it was a little bit more a little edgier back in the back in the day back in the Attitude Era. So I was never allowed. I had to sneak and watch wrestling as a kid. Oh. Uh, and like you, or I don't know, maybe not like you, Alex, but like I would. I remember times I would go to bed and I would watch. I would be watching wrestling or I'd be watching Beavis and Butthead in my room with the lights off. And oh, yeah. every, time I, every time my mom would come by, come by my bedroom door to make sure I was asleep. I'd turn the TV off really quick yep. and, and, pretend and, to be asleep. and pretend to be asleep. Yeah. Even though she could clearly probably see the light of the TV underneath the door. Um, you know, kids are, kids are stupid. Kids are stupid. Yeah. Um, they think they're sneaky, but right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, I don't, I want to go ahead and just kind of move on into our main discussion. So Nathan, yeah. we ain't got us. time to bleed. We ain't got I time. Can't, <laughs> I can't wait to shift into turbo guys. Although funny enough, funny enough. I looked up the rotten tomatoes review for the 2017 movie and they made that reference. It was oh, kind of funny. Good people. Good people. Yeah. <laughs> but Nathan, Go ahead and read us our epic plot synopsis. Cue the music. Billions of years ago, a being named Keeper entrusted the powerful Energems to dinosaurs to keep them safe from the evil alien bounty hunter Sledge. But he was blasted into space and his meteor collection wiped out the dinosaurs. Now the Energems are being discovered by intrepid young people who unleash their power. With dinosaur might, they're ready to fight Sledge and a slew of new villains determined to take the artifacts and rule the universe. Usually this is the part where I ask you, Nathan, and our guest, like, how did you first get exposed to dino to the particular season we're going to be talking about? But it's safe to say that we we all three have just recently watched it for the first this time. podcast. I mean, I yes. was aware of it. I was certainly aware of it, but I never watched it until this podcast, by the way. Right. Because we need to get it out of our system early so we don't just name drop him about 10 times. But shout out to our friend Jamie from Scotland. This is his favorite season. And he has been 
eagerly anticipating this episode. Yes, Jamie, sir. I hope we do it justice. That's all. That's all I hope for this episode. I hated it. <laughs> and there, we got five one star reviews just for that. And Jamie is going to review bomb us for that. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna steal a phrase from our friend Kim. And you're canceled. Okay, <laughs> uh, but can he can he who has been canceled cancel others? Ooh. Yes, I have canceling power. But you have been canceled anyway. Moving on, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So Nathan. Um, well, actually, since since Alex, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, uh, since you're the guest. What were your first impressions, kind of going through Dino Charge for the first time? All right, it was a uh, it was quite the the roller coaster for me uh, initially. Um, you know, th- I I've caught a glimpse of one other modern series, Dino Fury, mm-hmm. uh, like just the first two or three episodes. Right. But other than that, all of, all of my perspective for Power Rangers is all the way up until in space currently. Right. Um, but so when I was watching this, I was kind of cringing quite a bit in the first oh, six episodes. I was having a, I was having a hard time. I was like, this is really like the, the acting is really bad. The Zords look terrible. I was so down on it. And then wow. right about episode seven hits. And mm. I believe that that's an episode where Shelby gets highlighted and they really like make me like that character after I was completely uninterested. Mm-hmm. And after that, it was like, you know, a little ho-hum and then Gold Ranger hits. And yeah. then I am all on board. Everything feels like it starts firing. All the acting improves. The stories are more interesting. Mm-hmm. The fights are really good. And through that ride, man, I was really, I was really enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> really enjoying the series. Now I felt a little bit differently, honestly, because yeah, because uh, Michael, we, you and I watched the premiere and the finale together, as has yes. kind of become our tradition. And yes. maybe it's just because we've endured eighty, <laughs> eighty, like eighty-five episodes of crap with samurai and megaforce but we're like dino charge is really fun we like you this. know dino charge dino charge is definitely like that refreshing aha moment because dino charge in a in a in a weird way it kind of felt like a return to form like i in my in my opinion there's there's two things that uh Power the Power Rangers franchise is what well, well one main thing that the Power Rangers franchise knows how to do and that's a dinosaur theme season. I mean mm, they, it's mm-hmm. it's in their blood. They mm-hmm. know how to do a dinosaur theme season. And maybe just for the fact maybe it just may be the simple fact that I grew up loving dinosaurs and I love that whole and I love like paleo paleo history and all that stuff but I just really think that this season is 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 good like i don't know how else to say it except it is yeah. good it was, it was refreshing to see something and it may just be simply us coming off of watching samurai and, and, yeah. and megaforce and yeah, seeing something so refreshing from start to finish right it's it, it is it's good. Oh, yep. i was just gonna say it's not perfect and i have opinions about the finale <laughs> good lord oh, why am i not surprised <laughs> oh the finale and let me tell you the stuff that comes after this only makes it even more complicated because I've read ahead a little bit of like, oh, good Lord, guys. Why? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll save that for later. But uh, yeah, it, it, I, we had been hearing that this was the bright spot 
in at least in terms of the television offerings in the right. Neo Sabana era. And so I don't know if we went into it with too much hype. Cause like, you know, cause like I said, our friend Jamie's been talking it up for a while and, or, or the fact that, like I said, we came off of 80 plus episodes of just garbage right. <laughs> that we're like, this is great. And, but that does seem to be the general consensus. And I think it's an accurate consensus. This was very refreshing. I found the characters and the acting and everything just from the get go so much better compared to what we got. Yeah. This may not be an anniversary season, but it does have a milestone within it. It like the, uh, the episode sink or swim marked 800 episodes of power Rangers. Like let that right. sink in that wow. this, this franchise wow. has this franchise at that point in history had been around for 800 episodes. This mm -hmm. season ran from the season, uh, dino charge and super dino charge or yeah. So I'm sorry. Dino charge ran from, uh, 2015 to 2017. Right. Went from 2000. Yeah. 2015, 2017. It was based on a Sentai and I'm about ready to butcher this. I'm so sorry. Zujin Sentai Kyojur. Yeah. Uh, Zujin Sentai Kyojur. Kyojur. You kind of got to you. You got to get the. Yeah. You got to get the. Yeah. In or Beast oh Power gosh. Squadron Dinosaur Ranger. Mm. <laughs> now, what drove some people crazy is Saban skipped a Sentai. Mm -hmm. They really? skipped Go Buster. Yep. But then, funny enough, a couple years later, they backtracked to Go Buster because Beast Morphers is based on Go Buster. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. As I remember hearing a bit about those, like, they skipped a Sentai. Why'd they skip a Sentai? Because dinosaurs, you goofball. Uh, that's mainly because, uh, Chip Lynn, who had been working on the franchise for a while at that point took over as executive producer. So mm. he was basically free to, you know, do power Rangers the way he wanted it. And he really loved the Sentai for, for mm. this. He loved the Sentai for a Kyojur. I'm going to, I'm going to mess that up. Kyojur. Kyojur. Yeah. He loved like that Sentai. He loved that Sentai. Together. Yeah, he yeah. loved that Sentai, and there was a lot to work with with that within that Sentai. Um, um, ten Rangers, <laughs> ten Rangers <laughs> with a uh, with a rumored eleventh. Like seriously, they thought about having an eleventh Ranger. He was going to be yes. called the Talon Ranger. That's wow. just nutty which, to me. Which I think, which when you dig into reading about this particular set of seasons, it's interesting because they do. It does say in the in the uh, audio in the visual guide that they did realize that there was a lot of things to work with and it could be cumbersome. So what they wanted to focus on was this core five Ranger team right. and only using those additional Rangers whenever necessary or when it was beneficial to the story. Right, yeah. which I do think was a, a, a smart move on their part. By the way, it should be noted that there were also reports that there would be some elements of Go Buster in this, but they didn't do it. Right, yeah. Uh. But then, like I said, Beast Morphers backtracked, so. Mm -hmm. Interesting. <sighs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could feel a lot of the passion for this project in it, I feel like. Now, I haven't seen the last two seasons. <laughs> it's clear you all hated them. <laughs> but it seems like you could you could tell that they liked it and that they liked the source material because it, it seems so from what I've seen of modern Ultraman over the years, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. flares here of just like the special effects and stuff, it just feels so Japanese. 
in it a does. lot of it, which is like really nice to see. Right. And also one more thing that this was retroactively placed in a separate universe, much like RPM, thanks to Super Ninja Steel. So, well, which actually sense. makes sense because there are things that happen in the show that would not fit <laughs> with the primary universe. Yeah. As soon as I saw that moment that I think you're talking about, I was like, oh, so this is a separate universe. Well, even <laughs> the backstory would make it needlessly complicated, given that we've already had two other dinosaur themed shows mm. <laughs> before okay. this. But I have also heard that Beast Morphers is going to have, well, ended up having a three-way crossover oh, whoa. where they brought back <laughs> MMPR, Dino, uh, Dino Thunder, and Dino Charge, and then they all teamed up. Yeah, get your Beast head Morphers. out of the gutter, Alex. Get your head out of the gutter, man. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this season is also uh, notable because this is the first time we've never had a yellow ranger we've and I, we've had a yellow ranger all the way up to this up to this point and there's none to be found here and i it's and that so was a, weird it is weird it is it is <laughs> indeed weird i didn't even realize it until you said it yeah, yeah. well i have and i remember seeing a, a complaint about this online i think a few years ago and I think it was directed at the Sentai. And even I have to admit, I'm a little bit baffled. And there was a point in the show where I'm like, I feel like we need more girls on this team. We're going to end up with 10 Rangers. Only two of them are girls. Right. That's a little yeah. nutty. <laughs> it is. I, I agree. I, I think there was, there was, there were, with so many Rangers on this team there, I fully, without knowing anything about it, I fully expected the team to be at least uh, split a leave them a, a little bit more evenly. And I was actually kind of surprised and disappointed that it wasn't. Yeah. Now, admittedly the show Dino charge actually makes up for the lack of quantity with two really good female Rangers. I will oh, say that. they're excellent female Rangers. Yeah. But you know, that's for the character section right now. We need to talk about the theme song, the theme song. <laughs> yes. The theme song, which okay. Oh, go ahead. I'll let, I'll, I'll let you start, Nathan, and then and then Alex. I'm just happy that this isn't a cover. Because <laughs> Samurai was a cover, which felt out of place. Megaforce, where you would think a cover would make sense, doesn't commit to, new, to a new song or a cover. It tries to meld the two, which drove me nuts. This actually makes carves out its own musical identity while still being part of the Power Ranger family. And I like the lyrics, but you know, that's my initial thoughts. Well, I'll, what do you think, Alex? It's a banger. It is. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one. This is one of the ones that uh, my daughter wants to listen to in the car when we're driving good. around. Yeah. She's got good taste, but yeah, yeah it, it, this is a really good one. It's like you said, I, I, it carves out its own identity which I really appreciate. My child is yelling for me, I believe, right now. You all might be able to hear it on the microphone. Yeah, uh, I know. I, I can hear the child. <laughs> uh, if you need to how old is your daughter? Just for so, a little bit of context, how old is yeah. your daughter? So she is four and a half. She's almost five here in a couple months. And then I've got a uh, five-month-old here as mm -hmm. well. So it's just complete chaos at all times. Oh, but but your daughter really enjoys it, huh? Yeah, oh yeah. She loves she's absolutely loving Power Rangers. She loves Hey yeah, my wife's about to take care of business, I believe. 
take care of business. <laughs> Thank you, CC. Thank you, CC. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, this is one of the ones she listens to. You know, a lot of the Wasserman themes. Uh, she she absolutely loves, and so you know, it's it's unfortunately the original versions of a lot of these songs aren't on there, but this is one of the few, and you could tell because. What is it about licensed music like this and it just like having some emotion to it? It's so right. good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad, yeah. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. So this this episode we're recording this episode a little later in the week than we typically do. So uh actually the next the by the time this episode comes out our Ron Wasserman interview will have already been released. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to you you hearing that that right. conversation alex that, that that was a blast ron ron is a blast to talk oh my to. gosh dude and there's yeah, some I, things that are that were absolute gold that we can't use <laughs> I, I believe i believe I, I i honestly so you all been talking about having this guest on uh and i i told michael when he texted me you know i still hope you get this person on no, uh no, no slight against him but i thought maybe you're gonna have jdf on but what he told me was ron wasserman I was like, that is so much more interesting to me. Yeah. I was like, that is someone I want to hear from. Oh. I want to hear their story and like what they have to say about all this. Because, oh. I, you know, I listen to this music all the time with my daughter. So it's yeah. like it has much more impact on me than, you know, any yeah. even any of the actors for the characters. Right. Yeah, like right. J- JDF would be good for the analytics. But uh, that Ron Wasserman interview, we're really proud how that turned yeah, out. Yeah. But. But going back to the Dino Charge theme, I I'm kind of I'm with you guys. Like I consistently found myself just letting it play and not skipping it because uh, a lot of these past couple of seasons, Samurai and Megaforce, I just kind of skipped through the theme song and just didn't pay didn't pay it much attention. So mm-hmm. for this one, I just consistently found myself letting it play because not only does it musically sound good, it, it sounds like an original theme with its own identity, it which in parts harkens back to to the original Go Go Power Rangers, but it just it it told us it kind of told a better story than what we've heard yeah. from from recent theme songs and as a bonus the Rangers did not call out their stupid names throughout. Thank the God. Song. Thank God. But it, <laughs> the thing that makes this song interesting is that it's very, it's, it's a weird mix of kind of tribal sounding music and rock. Cause it's not straight rock. Yeah. But it's got, yes. yeah, it's got those big kind of tribal sounding drums at the start. So it's a little bit like, you know, kind of like the, the jungle fury theme song yeah it's a lot like that it's a bit like that it's got it's got that chant at the beginning almost like how they come up with the power ranger the power rangers yeah well (laughs) and then the other thing that michael and i have talked about on the show about what makes a good ranger theme is that a lot of times the theme songs will serve as exposition basically kind of tell you the premise of the show before you get Mm -hmm. into it this doesn't really do that because there's an opening narration that lays that out that's a thing with this era of Power Rangers. But this is such a good anthem, I have to say. Like, okay, so it's not expositional, but this is such a good superhero anthem. And if that's the kind of thing that I look for. It's like, I want to hear a superhero theme that gets me excited about what the heroes are going to be doing. And this definitely qualifies. And it's it 
Uh, so just to rattle off a few of the lyrics here. So it's, you know, in a world full of strife, we must fight to survive. Try to break the chains that divide. There is only one chance to take the right stance. Nice rhyme there. I like it. Uh, hold tight. Keep our power alive. And now that is now the way they edit the openings. Most of them, that's really clever because the line is keep our and they put keeper. <laughs> the character of keeper right there. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, 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 I see what you did there, show. I see what you did there. <laughs> and then the chorus is pretty fun. So yeah, we get a nod to Go-Go Power Rangers because it goes, Go-Go Power Rangers, don't you ever stop. Go-Go Power Rangers, you will rise to the top. Another rhyme. Uh, Rangers forever. That That's quickly becoming the new catchphrase on these modern Ranger shows. Uh, dino charge all together so you know it's got the branding in there it's got a nice rhyme scheme the lyrics are exciting and you know it's it's got everything Mm. it really does it does yeah i i I agree um shoot i had a thought and then i i lost it so we can just we can just move on i think some of the more successful power ranger songs seem to really focus more on the values than like the story of what's going to be happening Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah yeah, and 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 the bonus and and a bonus, uh, Nathan is they didn't try to rhyme fire with anything random. So, um, <laughs> fire and thunder. I love you, Time Force, but that line was just there for the rhyme. Okay, it was. I I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Lightspeed Rescue does the same. They inject the word fire or something in there randomly just because they needed to rhyme. Uh, but anyway, we can we can move hey, on. From- as someone from MVM, I have sympathy for the struggle of the rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've written poetry. I know. <laughs> so you're you're a poet, and no one wants to know it. Is that what you're trying to say? Oh. <laughs> So now let's move on to our characters. <laughs> All right. So we have, as always, we had to start with our Red Ranger, Tyler Navarro, played by uh, Brennan. Me- Brennan. Brennan. Oh, sorry. Played by Brennan Mejia. Mejia? 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 Our apologies if we said your name wrong. Okay. So, you know, in stark contrast, to the previous Red Rangers, uh, Jaden Christ and guy <laughs> and 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 uh, Woodman <laughs> and Wood and Woodman, who I cannot think of your name right now. I'm sorry, but uh, you're that unmemorable of a Red Ranger. I really you shouldn't li- bully. That is bad. <laughs> I really liked Tyler. I really liked Tyler. He's a sweet kid. He, yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, yes, he is. And. I found out, as will be relevant to all of us here in this call, I have been told by our listeners that Mr. Meggia is a Christian, which oh. I think kind of I think comes through. He's also in stupid good shape. Good Lord. Someone <laughs> sent us a, a video where he gets out of the pool by doing a handstand and then does a splits in midair. I'm like, good Lord, sir. <laughs> yeah, he's jacked. It, it, you really saw it during that uh, vacation episode over there. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> but it, but in terms of, but in terms of, but, it, but in terms of established archetype, I don't necessarily say, I wouldn't necessarily believe that, that Tyler fits within the established archetype of what a, of what a red Ranger has been so far. 
specifically like the jock care the, the jock son of more like sportsman type character the more authoritative stoic type is what we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of these red rangers be and tyler you know he's a, he's a lot more oh, soft oh by the way i'm looking at his biography right now it says he auditioned to be jaden christ <laughs> Thank you, Tyler, for not getting that role. Thank you. I don't know if I could have taken Jaden Christ as the Red Ranger for Dino Charge. And, um, and then he wisely skipped the auditions for Megaforce. <laughs> smart man. Anyway, uh, he's a lot more soft-spoken than some of the other Red Rangers we've seen. He's got a, he's got a, I don't know how else to say it except for, he's got a little bit of a, like a softer, sweeter demeanor. And I, I don't know yeah. if that, if that's, if, I don't know how else to phrase it, except just, he's just a lot more soft spoken and he, he feels a lot more kind. He feels a lot more kind. Yeah. He, he's definitely meeker for sure. Like, meeker, there we go. Good word. And, yeah. And, and that's, that was maybe part of why he was one of the Rangers that took me the longest to mm-hmm. start to like everybody else. I came around to pretty quickly Tyler took me until probably the end of Dino Charge for me to mm-hmm. really come mm-hmm. around because I wasn't okay. sold on his daddy daddy issues, and um, but he, I really came around on him. And then do Supercharge, I felt like he just did a really great job. He really improved. His acting got a lot better. He mm-hmm. definitely saw an acting coach between seasons, and mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I really like that character. Though it's like you said, he's a lot quieter. He sounds different than a lot of our Red Rangers. Yeah, he's he, a little more soft spoken, I think, by comparison. But I don't think you necessarily have to be the the absolute stoic or the very commanding mm-hmm. type to be the team leader Red Ranger. We because we've seen a lot of those looking back on the franchise, but right. I think there's something to be said about a quiet strength where, yeah. which I think is what Tyler embodies, but he doesn't go. He's not as quiet say as some of the other red Rangers that we've had, like Mr. Like Woodman, but <laughs> <laughs> who I think was just sleepwalking through and was just doing a terrible job. He kind of embodies a little bit of both types, I guess both, facets of the archetype he's mm-hmm. fairly stoic but he's not absolutely quiet either yeah he doesn't so it's, it's, need to be you know this incredibly commanding he doesn't have to be carter you know yeah right <laughs> or so it's, scott it from rpm off, so it speaks awfully and carry a big tyranno stick yes essentially oh what is what we're there we go thank you thank you uh, uh, speak softly I'm, and carry a big t-rex zord that's what <laughs> that, there we go. that's tyler's mo right there it and is. he befriends the zord too he's got a pretty good connection to his zord which i found a little endearing i mean I, what I, kid wouldn't want to yeah. have a giant robot t-rex as their best friend oh i Rexy. yeah and i and say like as the, i raise my hand <laughs> right you can't see it but i'm 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 raising both hands right now and i love the little i don't know if this was meant to be intentional or what i'm gonna in my head it, i think it was but uh the the jurassic park reference with rexy um yes. I, yes. I i i loved it. it it's a small thing but i i love the fact that tyler calls his zord rexy throughout the entire series. And it's such right. an endearing quality. You know what it kind of reminds me of Nathan? It's the, um, and I think Alex too, you've, you've watched this. Uh, you've, you've seen you Ranger, but the relationship mm-hmm. between dragon Caesar and Barai, it's mm-hmm. a, yes. it's a little bit, it's a little bit of an endearing relationship there. Now the, 
it, it's it's different. Whereas Barai and Dragon Caesar, it's it's a lot more of a spiritual connection. And Tyler and the and the T Rex Zord is a lot more like a uh, a friendship or even like a a a, a master like a boy dog. and his dog. A boy and his dog. Yeah, a, a boy and his dog. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, and this is kind of, I think, speaks to just how this show is in general. This uh, Dino Charge is more episodic in nature as opposed to these big season long saga things that they've been, you know, more serialized format that Power Rangers has been doing for several seasons at this point. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't some bigger storyline necessarily going on, but there are character beats character arcs that are going mm-hmm. on through this. And for Tyler, he's trying to find his dad, which is a, a very, I think time tested sort of story for a young man to do, you know, for is yes. uh, he's trying to find his dad that and I actually learned when I was in school that what, that honestly, one of the most popular sorts of stories that you'll see in film or anything is, uh, fathers and sons trying to reconnect in some form or another. So this is a very time-tested thing. It was foreshadowed super hard. They were like, we get it. We're going to see his dad. But then sometimes the show would kind of forget about it. And then it'd be like, oh, I have to find my dad. I'm like, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. And then the other thing that Tyler has going throughout it is he has a budding romance with our pink ranger. Yep. Yeah, it was it was definitely foreshadowed super mega hard. Uh, Stop it. <laughs> from from the very beginning. But you know, you know, Tyler's story really touched me because of, as someone who has lost his dad and as someone who re- I reconnected my who, who reconnected my relationship with my dad before he passed away. Like Tyler's story was really important to me and I and I was really to I was I was ready I was willing and able to put myself in his position and put his put myself in his mind frame because of that because of my own life experiences mm-hmm. right and by the way i just want to preface before we go i actually really like this core team this is the first time i have really liked a core team of rangers in a while yeah this core team is so much crap <laughs> yeah th- this core team is solid so like like some of the like a lot of the archetypes a lot of the established archetypes that we've seen portrayed throughout the franchise are here but there are some that break the archetypes and but we'll we'll get to them in a minute but one of the one of the archetypes that we have already seen throughout this entire franchise belongs to our black ranger Chase Randall who is the cocky jock and played we, by James Davies. Make sure. Yes. <laughs> I like Chase. In fact, I Chase do like had Chase. one I of do. Chase's first lines immediately got into contention for our awards. <laughs> and even you, I think you said in the chat we were watching, it's like, if my name was Chase, I'd totally do that. Which yes. <laughs> he was trying to hit on Shelby. And he's, what was this? Like, let's just cut to the chase. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I'm like, sir. <laughs> yeah, he said, cr- let's just cut to the chase and go catch a movie. I'm like, sir. Smooth. A little cringy, <laughs> but smooth. Yeah, a little cringy, but smooth. <laughs> but yeah, he's the he's the life of the party guy. He's the one who's, I think they even call it out in some episodes. He's the guy who tends to think on his feet. He's more impulsive, which mm-hmm. contrasts him with Riley. And we'll get to the Green Ranger, which we'll talk about him, where Riley tries to be more 
thoughtful and methodical logical. in how he approaches things, huh? Logical, as yeah, we keep logical. hearing, as we keep yeah. hearing throughout the season at random moments. Yes, yes. <laughs> but but the thing is, is I think honestly, in order to have a good team dynamic and something like this, you have to have somebody like there's. There are archetypes that have to that you have to fill in with fictional teams like this to make them interesting, and he definitely fits into that. When he's to compare him to somebody from Mighty Morphin, he's essentially Zach, which is essentially. why I think it's appropriate that he is the Black Ranger yeah. in this. Yeah, and he's also uh, very Kiwi. Yes, he's extremely oh New Zealand. The, the show is not hiding the fact. This season is like, we're not hiding the fact that we're filming in New Zealand, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a giant homage to New Zealand, it felt like. There's like several episodes where they say, oh, we're going to go visit New Zealand. And then they would have like the, the finale. They're taking all these major cities and New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like it's like hey we're gonna go visit new zealand translation we're not hiding the fact that we're filming in new zealand <laughs> i fully and we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get there but i fully expected that final battle to end up in japan and i was a little bit disappointed that the final battle right. was not in japan but i digress right. like i said yeah. we'll get there so so alex yeah. What, yeah. what are and your thoughts you know on chase but you know what i think is kind of funny because chase for his impulsive and kind of over the as over the top as he can be at points you know the overconfident he also has a very close ties to his family i've noticed that because that's something we heard about a lot in the first season where he's always talking about his family back home in new zealand particularly his younger sister and then the funny thing was they kept foreshadowing what he was going to do in the christmas special the annuals Neo Saban Christmas special. Like we're actually going to build toward the Christmas special now. Okay. Cause he mentioned several times that he's going to go visit family for Christmas back in New Zealand. And then they paid it off because they actually showed his family and him going back to visit. Hmm. I, I do like his character. I mean, he is family oriented, but he's also the meanest of them all. Actually. He is. He's got a mouth. And, and, and yeah, he does, but he also, those are really his episodes where they focus on his imperfections are some of the best ones mm -hmm. because they teach some really interesting lessons. Like my, my favorite moment with chase is when he's kind of making fun of, uh, the pink red Shelby and roasting her for just liking something. Mm -hmm. oh, liking, and, uh, a, like the, a really that, that silly band. band. The yeah, boy band. Yeah. Yeah, band. Yeah. Zed something. Yeah. And Zed like, boys. Yeah. The NZ boys. And, just the lessons he learns. And so I think that shows a lot for that character and mm -hmm. his, he probably has the most growth of any character on the show. Probably. Um, and and, I, and I that really episode like does tie into our thematics for this season. Ah, all right. And, yeah. uh, but I, I really like him and he's also pretty funny and a little zany as well. Uh -huh. Chase could have very well been a very like, uh, another really silly party animal type character with no growth or depth skateboarder skateboard yes skateboarder whatever but um one thing i, I want to just mention this and before i forget because i'm afraid i'll forget it later none of these rangers know how to keep a freaking secret especially especially their <laughs> secret identity let me just oh, say like yeah. <laughs> chase probably has the hardest time with that i would say i mean i i, I don't blame chase for that mm -hmm. but 
I would probably have done the same thing, but none of these yeah, none of these rangers know how to keep their secret identity. Yeah, because he has he gets a girlfriend for a little a little bit later, which is part of his growth because right. he goes on a few dates with this girl, but all he does is talk about himself and she's annoyed with that, and then the rest of the team's like, dude, you need to like ask her what she likes, and then he gets it, and then he's able to actually have a relationship. You know, wow, as the Black Ranger. And yeah, then well, that was, I actually <laughs> love that because I was like, that is a classic superhero trope. It's it's Superman and Lois Lane. Lois is in love with Superman and ignores Clark Kent. And Clark is madly in love with her, but then has to kind of like pretend not to when he's Superman. It's great. So, and that was another lesson he had to learn where it's like, hey, your keeper tells him, it's like, hey, you got to learn how to manage this, kid. All right. Yeah figure out what to do and he does and he also um, this you know uh, inadvertently morphs in front of her and she's like what he's a power ranger and then <laughs> it was just so funny though where it's like he's i love the conversation he was having with him it's like i think my girlfriend's cheating on me with the black ranger who is me <laughs> and <laughs> i'm just like Talk about a pickle. She's cheating on you with you. I mean, how does that work? That's <laughs> funny. Uh, I don't know how to transition from this, but we're going to talk about our Blue Ranger now, Coda. Uh, <laughs> he is caveman. <laughs> he is caveman. He is most enjo- he's most endearing caveman I've seen in a while. Uh, Very funny by- Japanese caveman. <laughs> played by Yoshi Sidar- uh, Sudarso. Sudarso, yeah. Who I read was a fan of Super Sentai, so he was <laughs> incredibly excited to be on this yes. show. <laughs> and you can tell he loves what he's doing in this show. He loves like, this he, character. Yes. He just yes. Uh, he brings so much energy and you know, just enthusiasm to this, which and this is because Coda is one of two, we'll say, time lost characters who are from different periods of history. And I've mentioned, because it's not the first time we've seen this in Power Rangers, but I don't feel like it was implemented as well as it was here. Uh, I'm thinking specific. I can't remember his name, but the Wolf Ranger from Wild Force. He's supposed to be this old-timey kind of Lord of the Rings-style warrior, but he never comes across like that. These two do. They the writers on the show actually remembered. Okay, we're still gonna be a little bit silly. This is you know, and it's a kid show, but we're still going to remember that these characters are from different periods of time and they're not fully acclimated. So we're gonna have them talk different, and they're going to react comedically to some things because they're fish out of water. Yeah, the the yeah. stilted the stilted dialogue and the. And the caveman shtick could have gotten yeah. old. Oh, really pigeon quickly. English. Yeah. Pigeon English. I was so pigeon. worried about that, Michael. That yeah. getting old. I, when yeah. it, when it first started, I was like, "If he's gonna talk like this the entire time, I'm gonna lose my mind." <laughs> but then he became endearing somehow, and I loved it. <laughs> I think it was the I, I think it was the baseball episode that did it for me. That for was that so time. Sentai. Yeah, <laughs> that was That's a home run coda where he got they figure yes. out that. If he can, if he can hit a baseball with a bat, that it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but then it turns out it's a magic bat. That was why he was doing so well. But then they actually just let him do it without a bat, and he still hits a crazy home run. The, so. the caveman pose that he does yeah. in the plate—it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't go like 
it's so funny that I just this now just dawned on me because Grimlock from Transformers is notorious in the animated version, the cartoon version, with speaking of pigeon English, they don't go as far as that with Coda. There's still mm-hmm. a little like he he omits words or he speaks a little bit slower. Like he'll say, It is morphic time. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's morphic time. Yeah, like it's he's less he's it's but less he has obvious. to think about it a little bit more. It's less obvious when he's in the suit and he's, you know, in 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 battle as opposed to when he's in yeah. civilian, when he's the face actor. Um but I, I I really enjoyed Coda. Like you can you can tell you can tell that uh Mr. Sidarso was was having a really good time playing this character. Mm-hmm. And they didn't just make him comic relief. They treated him seriously when they needed to. What they did with him was very character driven because he even gets a few focus episodes where he has to deal with his own backstory. And he has a little bit of a tragic backstory. We find out that basically what happened is Kendall found him frozen and just thought him out and it was helping him acclimate to the modern world. And then we find out that the reason that he ended up frozen was because he was saving the life of his little brother from a saber toothed tiger, ironically. Mm. And, you know, he basically almost died doing it. And that's why the Energem liked him, which is something we should bring up. I think this is a good point to bring this up. The method of power in this is actually really interesting and i feel like it's not just a gimmick they actually use it for storytelling purposes because we have these energems they're the MacGuffins that everybody's trying to get good guys and bad guys the energems can bond to people and but they don't bond with just anybody they bond to people who do spontaneous acts of heroism mm-hmm and co- that so that's what ends up happening. You know, so in the first episode, you had Tyler and Shelby who were standing up to the bad guys. And the energy was like, we like this. Uh, I don't, and I think Chase did something similar. Coda, we find out that because he saved his brother's life, the blue energy bonded to him and helped keep him alive. So Ch- Chase him. was, he got his from the shop owner, right? He was right. doing something nice for her. Yeah. Yes. I would say our, our links with the Energem with our first three are probably our weakest because it feels like they transition it to what you're talking about, right? Where they have mm-hmm. to be selfless. They have to risk themselves to earn it, right? Yeah. Right. And, and because Tyler and Shelby are just defending themselves as is Riley. But then Chase is doing something kind. Coda is sacrificing, and then everyone else we talk about were trying to sacrifice themselves, except for the exception of two, I believe it is. Right. But yes, it's it's like you said, spontaneous heroism. Right. Yeah, and I think that's used very effectively. To, as so, it's not just a gimmick. Yeah, you know, it's elevated a bit. I would say it's really heightened with uh, a ranger. We'll talk about in a little bit. Right. For sure. <laughs> But yes, a caveman. It was great. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, but but who's better, Coda or Ward? <laughs> <laughs> Ward. 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 Fight. Ward yeah. throws spear. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh! I, the I robot en- caveman that they had for a couple of episodes. I, I, I enjoyed. So I'm good. not gonna lie. I did. I, as 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 silly as that could have been, I really enjoyed that episode. 
I really did. <laughs> I did too. And it's actually a little sad when he puts them in the box. And then he, when he has to use them to save the day. <laughs> Goodbye. Definitely, definitely our best Coda episode for sure. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, old friend. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. All right. So moving in, moving on to our Green Ranger, Riley Griffin, played by Michael Tabor. I, you know, it took me a couple of episodes to really get into Riley's character, but the longer, the longer, um, the longer we, we stayed with him, uh, the more I began to like him. He has a really interesting backstory. So he's basically a farm kid, uh, raised in the middle of, uh, I think was it Montana or whatever it was. I, I'm not uh, entirely sure. I don't think they said, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of Montana or Wyoming or something like that. Huh. So he, he, he's Middle raised on a farm. Yeah. He was raised on a farm with his brother and his mom. And uh, so his his whole shtick is he likes to fence. He's a fencer. He, he likes sword play. Um, so he, he is he's a I don't know what archetype Riley really falls into, but he's definitely the most analytical of the two. I, possibly the brain for this mm, team possibly. but but then kendall is like the brain yeah even more so yeah. but but he has his kendall episode is, he's got his Ken- brain at logic episode that we focus yes on little, where it looks latest. like it's the bbc sherlock show for a hot minute, <laughs> yes. with all of this like diagrams and things popping up on the screen kendall i feel like for a while was also next along with keeper kind of a mentor figure for them or kind of splitting herself between that and being like an alpha five because keeper just kind of stands around and dishes out advice and occasionally shows up to kick some butt, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Or maybe even more like a Dr. K, although Dr. K was very much the mentor for the RPM team. So I, I see what you mean, but I think in terms of the, you know, initially anyway, I think he's meant to be a little bit more the brain. Right. Huh. right. Yeah. Now I, I now I want to, I want to ask you guys something uh, just, just to kind of get it, just to address it and kind of get it out of the way or so we can, so we can kind of continue this discussion on Riley uh, based on Ranger fandom. Uh, the, the, the actor, Michael Tabor has went on record of saying that uh, he played the character as a gay character. And, mm-hmm. Uh, because the actor Michael Tabor is gay, so a lot he of interpreted Ranger- the character as gay. Oh, I never saw that in the show. Well, here's the thing: I, this is something I do want to address, and I will. I'm going to give a really kind of brief, I you know, idea about this, and let you, and then we'll talk about it. Because we here on the Power Trip believe in authorial intent, and so this actually complicates things because I don't want to discount what actors bring to a role as someone who has written. Because I think it's important. Yeah. As someone who's written scripts with certain ideas in mind about how the character is, once I give that to an actor and allow the actor to do their own kind of spin on things to kind of take what's on the page and then do something with it. Oftentimes they bring things to the character that I didn't initially anticipate. And then it ends up changing how I write the character. So I don't want to discount that, but I still give 
the filmmakers and the writers precedent over what the actor would say. What makes Riley a little complicated is that the, is that the creators haven't said one way or the other. Right. And that we, so, that we know of, that we know of, that we that know, we know of. of. And then and there hasn't been anything because Riley has appeared in the boom studios comics and near as I can tell, it hasn't been confirmed one way or the other in the boom studios comics either. So, yeah. you know, and then Michael Tabor, when he brings this up, he brings this up, I think five years after the show was over in one tweet, it wasn't in an interview or anything. He just randomly said it on Twitter one day, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm. So here's the way I look at it. I actually just saw Alyssa Goji geek do a video on these concepts. Now she was talking about it in the context of Godzilla films, but I think it applies here, which is the idea of exegesis and eisegesis. This, these are big fancy literary terms that have to do with interpreting the text of something. It's usually applied to interpreting the Bible, but I think it can be, as she argues, can be applied to just any form of literature. So exegesis means to bring something out. You take the text at face value and you pay attention to authorial intent. What is the context? What was the intent of what was being written? Mm -hmm. And then eisegesis is you making your own interpretation using your own background and your own thoughts on it. Both are legitimate, but as she argues, I would make I would make the same argument. Exegesis, what the creators intended, needs to take precedent. It doesn't necessarily discount your eisegetical interpretation, but I think it still gives it precedent. And she's put it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. She, Alyssa, uh, I'm a Christian, so I will filter Godzilla films through that lens. But I'm not going to ignore that the fact that these were made by non Christians. And I think that is the same thing can be applied here. We have friends, we have listeners, and there are people in the fandom who interpret Riley as gay. If you want to interpret Riley as gay, since we don't have confirmation one way or the other, you go ahead and do that. I will not take that away from you. Right. Yeah, I, I, and that's what I. That's essentially what I was going to say too. I personally didn't see it. Like there was one episode. I think it, it was our friend Jamie. Uh, who pointed it out to us. I cannot, Nathan, you'll have to forgive me for not remembering the name of the episode, but it's at the end of that particular episode. Um, it's, it, it was where Riley and chase were, uh, they were, I think it's were, the what? tooth hurts. The tooth hurts. Yeah. I think it's that. Yeah. It's like the tooth hurts or something where they're on the track to, they're on the track together. Cause they're both, they're both running track and, and working out together. And, and Riley has this little moment at the end where he says that I says something to the effect of, and I know I'm quoted, I'm, I know I'm going to misquote it, but, uh, it's essentially, um, you know, back home, people misunderstood me too. Oh, they had, and, basically you're saying people had expectations for me and I right, didn't there we go. fit them. That didn't quite fit them. Right. So like I can, like you said, I, I, I can see where people would interpret the Riley's character as gay. And honestly with God, almost 800 epi or yeah, about almost 800 episodes of, of power Rangers at this point and power Rangers being such a diverse franchise and diverse fandom, you know what? There's room for all there's room for you to interpret it, to interpret any of these characters any way you want to. And, and in all honesty, where I don't, and I'm imagine that where I'm imagining where need none of us in this, in this conversation have that particular life experience. We're not going to pick up on things as easily or uh, go looking for very specific things that maybe some other fans who are in that, who are in the LGBTQ 
be or who are who are in the LGBTQ plus community would notice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I didn't notice it. I don't really care either one way or the other because it, it doesn't seem to factor into his character at all. Right? No. He's the logical one. He that's kind of what his character seems to be focused on a lot of the time. It's not. I don't. I didn't notice any moments in it. But you know, it's like you said. Like that leaves it up for interpretation. So whatever they want. Now, sure. if a showrunner came up and was like, "No, he's not," and then the actor said, "Yeah, he is." Well, I'm gonna go with showrunner. Right. But in this scenario, you know, you you're whatever you dream of. I don't. It, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I don't, don't care it, one way or the other. You know. I, yeah. yeah I, I'm the same. It, Riley. Riley is a good character because Riley is a good character. I I really could right. care less about the, about the other stuff. So. Like we're saying, there's more to Riley than just stuff like that. I was we mentioned he's very logical, which puts him at odds with Chase, and that's, I think that is a, you know, a good function that he has because these two butt heads multiple times throughout oh, the yeah. show, particularly in the first season, because oh, yeah. their approaches are so different. And then wisely, I mean, I there's stuff to be said about how effective Keeper is and whether or not <laughs> about you know yeah, but. I do like the, those moments where Keeper tells the both of them, like, hey, you can learn some things from each other. Uh-huh. Why don't you try looking at it like that as opposed to just getting mad at each other? Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that because then, because I think that's what you want to do when you're in a team is you want to figure out, okay, this person has a different approach to something. What can I learn from it? Doesn't mean I have to do it exactly like them, but what can I learn from them? And I think that was a great, uh, that was great. And I think Riley, because he is, we find out later that, yeah, he's an athlete, but he had a reputation in school for being basically a nerd. Cause you know, we have a, a, some pseudo bulk and skulls that show up later and they're picking on him and basically pointing out how much of a nerd he was, even though he tried to be athletic. And then he, by the end of the episode, he learns to reconcile with the two of them because the, the, the old school bullies are like, you know what? You're pretty cool anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that was something he had to work on. But then we see that in Home Run Coda, where he basically makes himself Coda's manager. And for a while, you get the impression that Riley's trying to live vicariously through Coda because Coda's a better baseball player than he ever was. Yeah. And I and I think that's something that a lot of people have to deal with. There are parents who live vicariously through their kids when it comes to things like athletics because they're like you can do what I could never do or you you can do what I can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's something Riley had to come to grips with because he's like, "Yeah, I've been doing this for myself, haven't I?" Yeah. He definitely is like a Britney Spears's mom. For <laughs> Free Coda. Free Coda. <laughs> you realize I'm going to have to make a meme of Coda that says, hit me baby one more time now. Oh, no. God, have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's too But good. like I said, he, he, he contributes to this team. I do think he gets a bit better in Supercharge. Because I think they had a better handle on the mm, character. And I think I Mr. Tabor had a better handle on the character by the time you get to Supercharge as well. Well, it yeah. felt like he was hardly, I mean, compared to the others, it didn't feel like he was as present in the storylines. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. For to me and Dill, like you said, supercharge. It seems like they elevate him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I do like I like I liked Riley. I just don't. They every now and then they wanted to dive back that he's to remind you that he's a logical one, even though he rarely uses the logic except for in the first season, really. Yeah. And every now and then something would happen. He goes, "Well, that's not logical," and it's like, dude. <laughs> Yeah, but and I think they I think the better thing that they did is they tried to lean into the fact that he's more disciplined than, say, Chase. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think that's I think that's like him, like Riley and Chase are a little bit more like yin and yang. That's yeah. that that's the contrast that, that I wouldn't go as far as to say Riley is a foil for Chase or Chase is a foil for Riley, but right. they are a little bit like that yin and yang type relationship you know yeah. it's one is one is very just outspoken and 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 just just brutally honest and reckless and the other one's a little bit more methodical uh in mm-hmm. riley so mm-hmm. but i wouldn't should... even go as i wouldn't go as far as to say that riley's even the most logical because i think our pink ranger shelby wadkins is probably the most logical one outside of uh Kindle. i don't know outside of kindle that we've got on yeah. the core team yeah yeah Pe- play by camille hyde and she is a milestone. She is the first black pink ranger. Mm-hmm. Oh. And she is mm-hmm. gorgeous. She's cute as a button. She is, she is. She is a beautiful woman. I, I yeah. Which is generally speaking what you want to have for your pink rangers. <laughs> yeah. But what what really in what's interesting about uh Shelby is she is a dinosaur nerd. Like she is a nerd. Mm -hmm. She is a dino nerd. And I, you know, overall, I just, I I thought Shelby had a lot of really nice focus episodes. She got to do something that uh, a lot of our, that, well, any of our pink, well, none of our Rangers period have ever gotten to do. And that's make a Zord. Yeah, that was interesting. Shockingly easy also, but also pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) This is true, but she still has the hallmarks of a pink ranger. She's basically the heart of the team. She's, she's kind of motherly sometimes very, she's a bit of a stern mother because when they were, they were going to meet her paleontology hero, she was like, okay, make sure you dress nice and make sure you act professional. And just like, (laughs) just like, okay, mom. (laughs) And we learned that she's apparently she's the heiress to an ice cream empire. Oh yeah. She, yeah. Her dad, who was played by the same guy as Scott's dad from RPM. <laughs> I noticed, yes. <laughs> Who's also, once again, playing a Rangers kind of stern father. <laughs> He's a businessman running a big corporation that he, we, I, the impression that I'm getting is that he worked hard to build that. Yeah. Yes. He worked very hard to build that. He's a self-made man and he wants her to continue the family business. But she's like, but I don't want I want to do other things, which I think is actually a very interesting. I think it's a very interesting dilemma to find yourself in because on one hand you want to run the family business. You're guaranteed a job, a good job. Mm -hmm. But what if you're not interested in doing that? Do you just take the practical route, the pragmatic route and go with that? Or do you actually go chasing after what you actually want to do? Hmm. That's yeah. a hard. That's a hard thing to figure out. I think it's yeah. I think that that topic was real, uh, one of the 
better one. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones in here, but that mm-hmm. that's a really typical one for I think a lot of people in certain families. Uh, just having the expectations for careers coming out of college and right. what they want them to do, and so I think that that's like a very relatable episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the, I mean, she had some really great focus episodes. I mean, she was the first ranger really that I was iffy on and then completely sold on. And that right. was like, and that was episode seven I was sold on her. So she was like one of the first rangers I was already like kind of all in on. Right. Um, and just cause they, they do a really good job of characterizing her. And then mm-hmm. when they do focus, like really making it an interesting episode like that, yeah. again, that, that chase and, uh, Shelby episode where he's making fun of her again, one of the better right. topical episodes. Right. And that was the thing that I really appreciated about that is that they give these Rangers a lot of different facets to their characters. We know like some of the stuff, uh, stuff that they're into again, looking at you mega force, cause you couldn't be bothered to do that. But we know <laughs> like Shelby's incredibly smart, but she, the reason why Chase is making fun of her is that she basically likes a silly boy band. Yeah, you know, she's like a huge fangirl for these for these guys. And they're like, oh my gosh, they're gonna have a concert here. It's gonna be great. And he's like, really? Them? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then yeah. unlike, say, our Pink Ranger from Megaforce, who, you know, is so happy go lucky, nothing can harm her. Uh, Shelby actually is affected by it. Mm-hmm. No, and it was the Yellow Ranger too. Like the Yellow Ranger from Samurai was like nobody. You know, it was like, oh, I can, uh, uh, my hero from Samurai, you know, Negatron, can't say anything to hurt her feelings, but her teammates say one thing. She's so happy go lucky. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, but she's actually affected by it, and so they both have to learn some things. I think Shelby has to learn a little bit about being you know, a little bit thicker skinned, and Chase definitely was like, you know what, I crossed the line. For sure. And I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, she's good. Um, you know, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, other thing, the other thing about <laughs> Shelby, as we mentioned, is she has a budding romance with Tyler and good Lord, are they cute together? Yeah. <laughs> that, you know what? That is a good romance. Like, especially in these uh, teen focused shows. You know, I was amazed at how well it was handled. Yeah. Well, and, and what was it, it what's doesn't... really funny is one of the moments where you could tell that there's a thing going was there was that episode where they came up with this cockamamie scheme that where they had to uh, pretend to be a prince and a princess from oh, Xandar. Right. Yeah. And they're like, well, we need a princess. Who's going to be the princess? And they just look at her. It's like, I don't want to. Cause she, like, she goes a little bit tomboy at that point. She's like, I don't want to wear the stupid dress and these heels or I hate these heels. She's just complaining. She's all dolled up. And she's like, I hate this. I hate the whole thing. And then Tyler walks in with his fancy suit to be the prince. He's like, you know what? I think I'm okay with this now. <laughs> you know what I, what I was going to point out about that, about the relationship between those two is it fell. It didn't feel forced. Like they, they didn't just automatically throw them together in episode two. Oh, it was, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it was the whole like, Hey, two attractive people on a superhero team. They got to yeah. get together. You know, that's it wasn't right. like oh, red uh, and pink. Cause we gotta, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, least, it wasn't mega forced. 
which is what I I'm, approve which is, of this one, <laughs> which is what leads me into what I was going to say is it's not as it's not as it doesn't feel as forced as as Gia and, and Jake the snake. <laughs> My only problem with her was when they get are they're slammed down underground, right? With uh, that episode with the, the guy that just drops the blocks and they're pinned underground and the only ranger with a drill doesn't use it <laughs> to get out. Oops. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a pretty dark episode because we almost in a way got to see a real ranger death. Yeah, in that, that episode. was pretty yeah. intense, yeah. That yes, that was, that was a good that was a good episode. Except for in the back of my mind, I'm like, you have a drill. Yes, you have a drill. But... <laughs> well, in her defense, she was worried about suffocation. I know, but she could drill out and not have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> she spins through people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but again suffocation maybe she maybe needs a little a running inexperience start. maybe just... she needs a running start you know maybe yeah. <laughs> could also be true maybe she couldn't quite get it to work because you know you're stuck underground and it's very cramped down there and you know there might be safety concerns you never First, know yeah, you're like i'm gonna drill us out and then you drill through her soon-to-be boyfriend i mean oh there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right any more any more thoughts on shelby before we have to move on i'm ready to go yeah. All right. We've got we as much as I would love to park <laughs> park our conversation here with Shelby. We have five more freaking Rangers to get through. So, well, to be fair though, Nathan, like we're only going to park on maybe two of them, or two or three of them, and then the rest we can kind of zoom through. Yeah, probably. But anyway, let's move on to our sixth slash extra Rangers and allies. Good lord, <laughs> Sir Ivan of Zendar. Played yes. by Davy Santos. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> I, he, he talks an old timey medieval talk. It sounds a little bit Shakespearean. He does. He occasionally gets, slips into thee and thou, and I'm like, it's like I love this guy. <laughs> when he came in, I wasn't sold on Coda quite yet, and to have another man out of time drop in, I was dying inside. But then he's great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to look. I considered so many of his lines for the awards, and I almost wish I could have given it. It's just like like the, the the writers on the show really outdid themselves because they could have gone really thick with it, but they did it just enough to make it fun. Like he says, you know, tis morphing time. <laughs> Monster <good>. vanquished. <laughs> There's a line between him and Coda where they both mention like that they learned that the Earth was round. No, it wasn't flat. And they're like, yeah, they changed yeah. it. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, oh, running from us will not be your salvation. I'm... <laughs> it's just so many good lines. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm still amazed the world isn't flat. Oh, yeah. Why'd they change that? Yeah, yeah. He's 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 so good. Him and Kendall really are the only two of these extra rangers that are, I guess I would consider part of the main cast, right? Cause they, they stick around the whole time once they're in the show. I mean, Kendall's there from yeah. the beginning, but yeah. Ivan is just, he's just a great addition. Who would have thought two people who can't speak normally, not being annoying. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's another one. Uh, time to put this damsel in distress. <laughs> he's talking to about one of the monsters that they're fighting. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's great. It may be older than me, but it no, isn't I, really as well built. <laughs> I was waiting on Nathan to say I was. I had a feeling Nathan had one more old tiny. You knew, English it. You thing knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I have so many. <laughs> I, I was waiting for him to get out one more old timey English thing before I said that I really loved Ivan. Like, <laughs> uh, like Nate, like you guys have said, like he could have easily veered into a really weird and insufferable direction with both him and Coda, but. I'm just really happy that the, honestly, I'm just really happy that the writers remembered like his backstory enough to, to do something with it and not just forget about it after two right. or three episodes. Right. And the, the lead up to him, I actually think was pretty effective. He's basically our, I mean, yeah, there's five more Rangers in this, but he's essentially the essentially true the sixth, sixth Ranger. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they built up to him because one of our villains, Fury, seems like he's possessed by some sort of spirit. Inside, like he has a spirit inside him that keeps interfering with him while he's fighting the Rangers. And it ends up being a red herring because Tyler thinks it's his dad and it turns out to be Ivan. And we find out that what happened was Ivan was a, an old timey knight and he was defending a prince against Fury and the Energem bonded to Ivan and then Fury because he's a Power Ranger villain he can just invent crazy superpowers on the fly mm. absorbs Ivan into himself to try to get the gem and he's been holding him inside this whole time and then mm. Ivan gets free and you know goes through a little bit of a I'm a loner and I don't like working with a team sort of a thing so he has mm. that little mini arc joins <laughs> the team and then it's just fish out of water and yeah. You know, screwing up on occasion and then making up for it, like the episode where he <laughs> takes a coat that Kendall got for the museum because they all hang out at a museum. It's like Bokenger. <laughs> they hang out at a museum. When when he assembles his uh, the equivalent, I guess, of the West Coast Avengers, he puts his, he's puts together <laughs> that he puts was together so great. his own team of just people he found on the street. It's like a it's, it's like a, it's a crossing guard yeah. and an old lady on a on an electric wheelchair thing. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. My only gripe with Ivan is that during Dino Charge, they could not get his pants right. Half the time they're gold and saggy, and then half the half the time they're like that that actually that clean gold. You know, it's almost silver when the light hits it right, and, and which is what it's supposed to look like. But sometimes he's got these gold pants that are way looser than all the other Rangers, and it's hilarious looking. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, uh, I love this coat. I'm a little bit of a sucker for long coats, and I really liked his, which they made a thing because Tyler's a little jealous of him. That was so fun. <laughs> when he makes up put his coat in the mud and then has people walk over it, it's so great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, because Tyler's a little worried that Ivan's going to steal Shelby from him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're such boys. Yes. It's like, it's my girl, man, my girl. <laughs> So moving on into moving on to our graphite ranger, we don't have to spend a lot of time on Prince Philip the Third, played yeah. by Jared Blackiston. Blackiston, yeah, Jared Blackiston. Now it should be Blackiston. noted that even though we have a 
10 Rangers, not all of them are in every episode. It's mostly right. like, I would say about seven that yeah. we see most commonly. Right. Uh, yeah, seven. Really, so once you include Kendall, because Kendall was on the show from the start. She just wasn't a ranger. Spoiler warning, because we haven't gotten to her yet. But yeah, Prince Philip of Xandar, uh, he was he was connected to the little storyline they were doing because they're like, we have to find this Energem, and it turns out that Ivan already has it. And then it was funny. There was actual consequences, even though this is an episodic show. And <laughs> so Prince Philip is actually the Prince of Xandar, and he comes to the museum. He's like, I heard someone was impersonating me. <laughs> yes. What's going on? And then... We built toward him becoming the graphite ranger. And I found it fascinating how they did that because he keeps trying to do all of these acts of kindness. He throws money at stuff. He donates things. And the gem still doesn't bond with him. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't bond with him until he saves a child from the monster of the week. Because his intention, right. because he did all these grandiose, he, he made all these grand gestures, but he, it's, it's his intention. It's right, the yeah. intention behind it is what mattered. And right. the inner gym would not bond to him because his intentions weren't fully pure. They may have been good intentions, but they, but his intentions weren't fully pure enough to have the inner gym bond with him. It was like you said, like you were going to say, Nathan, it wasn't until, you know, he selflessly saved a child just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. That's when the inner gym decided he was worthy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. subtly complex because, yeah, he's doing all of these incredibly kind things, but he's doing it for selfish for the reasons. wrong reasons. No, for selfish yeah, reasons. True. For selfish yeah. reasons. For yeah, selfish. But then when he, then, but then he just acts as soon as he sees that there's a child mm-hmm. who's about to get murdered by the monster, and he he just rushes <laughs> in and does the right thing. Right. And th- this is our best illustration of what it takes to get the Energem, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it also illustrates a little bit of why, it, again, it's nitpicking, but why our initial three, Tyler, Chase, and, or sorry, Tyler, Riley, and Shelby, they get theirs a little too easy because they're just defending themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like everybody else earns theirs. In a different, right. like in a more selfless that, way. Not that right. they're not selfless characters. Maybe the inner gym just could tell that they were selfless. That's a know. fair observation, I think, Alex. Because you know, obviously, the show has to establish the red and pink rangers from the get go. And how else are you going to do that? By unless you just have them, unless you just give them a felt need, which is they were in the midst of getting their butts kicked or almost getting killed. Then they, it was an, it became a necessity for the inner gym to bond. Whereas like like you, like you pointed out the rest of them, uh, the rest of them, it, it did feel a little bit more earned because it really got to the heart of why the inner gym was choosing these particular uh, people to be rangers. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. right. Other than that, he shows up when he needs to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he will use his status as the Prince of Xandar to do some things for them to help them out. So he's not a terrible character. They just don't focus on him. And I think that's a smart move. It, this yeah. show can only, you can only juggle so many characters. So making sure to bring in other characters. Yeah. Uh, these there's Because there's three Rangers that are not in it as much, I think for story purposes or because they just don't get introduced until a heck of a lot later looking at you, Zenowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but for but it, what we see, it, of him, I think is used a lot though. <laughs> what? 
His Zord is used a lot, it, though. This is true. Oh, my gosh. That Zord pops out every episode after he shows up. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Which, on, thankfully, the Zord count is mercifully short in this. Ten rangers, but there's not an overabundance of Zords. <laughs> All right. And now we need to talk about Kendall or Miss Morgan. Apparently, we need to call her Miss Morgan or she's going to murder us three ways from Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she wants me to call her Kendall. Uh, no. oh. oh really <laughs> at the end of the season she says it's oh, okay okay, okay. I, guess. <laughs> like, uh, I mean we just edited out the part where, where cc your wife just came by i was like did she just hear that she oh. left i mean there is something there is something about hot nerds and glasses let me tell you uh, well i mean there's just something about hot nerds in this franchise but because <laughs> we've had several but uh, Kendall is a. Uh, she's the manager of the museum where they, where the Rangers hang out and work. She gives them jobs. They work in the museum restaurant. I guess you could say. I forget what it was called. So she's their boss in both their civilian lives and their Ranger lives. She's been developing mm-hmm. a bunch of the tech. She's been gathering the energems. So she does a lot for them. She's kind of their mom. In a way, <laughs> the, the weird thing is, is that she doesn't look any older than the rest of them. She doesn't, but you know, we'll be talk. We'll have something to talk about with uh, when we're talking about that. But Claire Blackwelder, we need to make sure we mention her. And so at first, she's more of the mentor, along with Keeper. Sometimes she's almost like the you know, like the Alpha or the Doctor K. You know, she's making new tech for them, telling them where to go and things like well, that. Keeping the, them, she she's a little bit, a, she's a little bit of the bridge between Keeper and the Rangers, and sort of the she's the bridge between the modern world and the mystical that keep, right. that was where where Keeper where Keeper resides, right? right. And you know, and so they their headquarters, their base is underneath. The museum, which, by the way, they have one of the coolest entrances to anything. It's a giant T-Rex mouth that has a Mm. slide that goes to their underground base. I kind of love it. (laughs) And so that's what she does for most of the season. The first season is she's doing that to trying to keep them in line. She's if you get her in certain situations, she doesn't quite know what to do with herself. Like when they had the episode where they it was a it was a bomb scare one and they had to go to you know basically like a party with a bunch of kids and she didn't quite know how to conduct herself there she was a little out of her element Mm -hmm. and then in the proper first season finale she gets to become a ranger she becomes a purple ranger which she was weirdly enough she was not the first purple ranger we had albert smith Played yeah. by Arthur Ranford, who the best Power Ranger of the season. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and say it. <laughs> I was gonna, say, I was gonna say, Alex. This in, considering your your other podcast, Albert's a little bit more right up, a little bit more up your alley. Wait, why? Because, because he's older. He's a no, grumpy, he's a no, old grumpy be, man like Eric. No, because, <laughs> no, because he's. He he chases after cryptids. He's chasing after Bigfoot. Oh, 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 you're right. Yeah, he's a conspiracy yeah. theorist. I forgot. Yeah, all yeah. That. And he and he tells a bunch of tall tales about himself. He wants he's very New Zealand. He lives in New Zealand. And he, he he wants everyone to think he has an eye patch, but it turns out he doesn't. But he found the Energem and the Energem bonded to him because he saved a little kid on a mountain. 
and he tries to be a power ranger but he's not great at it but it mm -hmm. turns out he is he's better at it than he lets on because he's trying to fool everyone and but then yeah. he says you know what this <laughs> i'm too old to be a power ranger no, you're not. I, I was <laughs> but, so excited to have an old man as a Power Ranger. No joke. I was really hoping. He, I was so sad when he when they cut him loose. Like when he opted out, I was like, "Oh no!" Like I was so excited to get this old weird man as a Power Ranger, <laughs> and then he just relinquishes it like almost immediately. But then, what I really like is that one of my other favorite tropes is when. The, you know, the man in the chair gets powers. And so when Kendall got the power, I was like, okay, that was worth it. Right. Because I, I absolutely yeah. love it when the person that sits behind the desk gets right. the power. Right. And that's what, now, I was gonna, I, and that's what I was also going to point out about this particular cast is it's interesting that it's interesting that it's that the inner gym is chosen is choosing people strictly on acts of service or acts of selflessness, regardless of age or, or, or what have you, um, instead of leaning into, it must be a T it must be a young adult or a teenager with attitude, uh, because that's, that's the trope of this show or this, of this franchise. I just found that Dino Fury was really interesting that we had a, uh, a really good mix of different personalities, different life circumstances, and even different ages with with Albert like becoming right. Rangers. And, I, and I'm like you, Alex. I I kind I kind of wanted Albert to stick around a lot longer yeah. uh, because having this 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 old weird man as a Power Ranger <laughs> just tickled me. The tick this just tickled me. So just imagine all the catchphrases he could have been saying. The whole time. <laughs> And all the, like the old grunts he would do throughout the all fight series. <laughs> oh, oh, it's morphin time. Oh, my back. I threw up my back. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh it's more it's morphine time because my back hurts. <laughs> yes. Of morphine time. Yeah, but he but he gives but he, you know he gives up the energem and then it bonds with Kendall later because Kendall decides to be crazy and sneak onto Sledge's ship in disguise to to get you know the MacGuffins and gets herself in trouble and then the Energem's like oh okay I like what you're doing bonds with her she gets to be a purple ranger mm -hmm. and she looks good in that in that purple spandex I'm just saying she does <laughs> I agree <laughs> so it, that was so uh, like you said alex you know the person in the chair gets to have the power i've actually heard that there are some people who don't think that it quite made sense for kendall what? yeah the counter argument that i heard to that is that kendall has never been the impulsive type when you see her she's much more methodical she plans everything out she gets a little you know over her head sometimes with all the responsibility she's taking on. So the fact mm. that she did something incredibly impulsive and spur the moment, like, you know, grab, you know, sneak onto the ship uh, on the sledge ship, disguise myself and to help the, the Rangers out. I think the energy looked at that and said, you know what? I like what you're doing. You're getting out of your element. That's mm -hmm. what makes you heroic right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that's fair. For sure, because she's doing what has to be done, right? She didn't right. want to be the one to go up there, but she had to be the one because the right. others weren't, weren't available to do it. So, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. And, you know, 
without her, I don't think this team would have gotten much of anywhere. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, like I said, she really is like the mom in this team because she's keeping all of these kids in line in one form or another. I guess that's kind of, you know, like Kendall's kind of the mom and keepers kind of the dad, you know, the keeper shows up, it gives them some much needed life advice. And Kendall is keeping them all in line while they're running around doing things. <laughs> Michael, what do you, uh, what are your thoughts on Kendall? Oh, I just, I like Kendall. I think she's a good, I think she's a good foil for some of the more impulsive characters on our team. She is the one that said one of my favorite, favorite lines. What was it? Let's make space your final frontier. (laughs) (laughs) So good. God. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But like I said, you know, she, she serves in two, she serves as basically the boss in both, sides of the Rangers world, you know, civilian and Ranger life, which mm-hmm. I think puts her in a unique position compared to a lot of other characters in similar archetypes that, that we've seen before. I think it does. Yeah. Mm. Yep. All right. Now we need to move on to another Ranger. That's apparently some people <laughs> have some, have a little bit of issue with, which is James Navarro, who was played by Ruben Turner and on, and apparently was also voiced by Dan Musgrove in some of the morphed scenes. Oh, okay. But it's primarily Ruben Turner. He is Tyler's dad. His Sentai counterpart was play. Uh, was basically like a Viking looking dude, big man, long hair, mm. beard. His name was Robert Baldwin. And he actually wanted to play his own counterpart. <laughs> <laughs> in oh, wow. Power Rangers, but they ended up not going with him. He looks completely different than this guy. I don't know if it would have worked. He's a big dude too. So <laughs> that would have been that would have been nutty, though. I actually would like to see that happen sometime. You know, <laughs> where you have the the Sentai actor gets to play the his counterpart on Power Rangers. That would be, that'd that'd be, be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, that aside, what do you guys, how do you guys feel about James? The complaint that I hear is that they think he's a deadbeat dad. Yeah, he absolutely is. Yeah. (laughs) His whole reason was staying away from his son was to keep him safe, but he couldn't even give him a phone call to let him know he's alive. (laughs) Like couldn't send a car, dad. (laughs) Like, come on. Yeah. On, well, and, and the then first thing so, he does is abandon. Yeah. The, well, and son. then it gets even weirder for him because he bonded with the Aqua. He's an Aqua Ranger because we can't just say cyan or blue or whatever. And so he's like a light blue Ranger. <laughs> and so yeah, he never does that. And then we have to invent a new rule for the Energems. This is oh, it stops the aging process, which we need to bring up because. The father and son actors are only four years apart. That's okay. I'm okay with that because he doesn't age or whatever. Yeah, I can, I can accept it's weird, but I can accept it. It was yeah. It was it was it was weird when, we, when it was weird when we first uh, saw him, and um, after the expo, it's fine. Whatever, it, it, it's fine. Like it's it's yeah. it, plot conveniency, and it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Is he a deadbeat dad, Michael? He is absolutely a deadbeat dad. <laughs> One thousand because he stayed away for ten years. 
Yeah, he basically. He stayed away for 10 years. He finally sees his son and he jets. Okay. Right? Okay. I heard an interesting counter argument to that. The counter argument that they gave to that is that, yeah, he's been away for 10 years. We get the impression he's probably been keeping an eye on Tyler at least a little bit. Yes. The argument that they give is that when James comes back, he realizes Tyler's turned out pretty well. And yeah, he still wants to reconnect with him, but their relationship has to look different because, you know, because 10 years have passed and Tyler turned out all right. That's still that's no ridiculous. damn excuse. That's, that's, that's no I understand. Excuse. I understand. I'm just saying that's the counter argument I heard. Right, but the counter argument is invalid because that's a stupid counter argument. Um, oh, <laughs> that's not how discourse works, sir. Well, it's a stupid counter argument because first, <laughs> first of all, why if he's had these ranger powers for if he's if he's going on if he's checking on his son, could he have not just chosen a moment in, 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 in those 10 years to say, Hey son, I know you're, this is, I'm your dad. I, I see that you're doing well. I'm super proud of you. And, and until, and instead of waiting until his son was uh, a make believe Tyrannosaurus and he has to come in and save the day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come, where, I mean, the episode where I mean, he goes feral, which is admittedly a little weird, but yeah, I mean, come the fuck on guys. Let's just, so Oh, stupid. dragon dagger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah mm-hmm. i mean great. yes it's that episode was really fun and and silly and campy and very very sentai but at the same time why choose that moment to come back like i feel like that's i feel like that's a little bit of a plot hole and i just i the argument that he was like he just came and checked on his he would stop in and check on his son every now and then now is 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 bull I just don't. I don't. Oh, Dragon Dagger. Strong opinions. I didn't realize you had such strong opinions. I I don't. I don't buy. I don't buy that. Now, now, now let me see. Now, I will play a little bit of a little bit of Devil Zord's advocate here and say (laughs) Devil Zord. I have never. I have never been in a situation where that has been the case. You know, all (laughs) both both my parents. Well, that sounds really terrible, doesn't it? Like I'm not, I'm neither a dad and I had my dad in my life the whole time. So I can't necessarily identify fully with that type of situation. I'm sure there's a lot of nuances that go into that type of decision for, you know, being a deadbeat dad and staying away for 10 years. Okay, fine. It, but it still is a really thing to do. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, put yourself in your in his shoes. If you knew that there were some evil aliens that were after you, first off, because you got the, okay. the MacGuffin, and you knew that if they knew that you had a family, they're probably evil enough to go after your family to get what they want. But it doesn't mean Yeah, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't have done something right a letter like come oh on my God. Yeah. how many dragon daggers yeah, exactly. are we gonna get i mean uh, uh, yeah i don't i don't get it i don't get it. i mean it doesn't seem like he's been pursued at all except for by fury one time initially i'm trying to give the guy a little bit of the benefit of the doubt i no. understand yeah, that sure. it's I mean, that i understand it's a little bit of a problem i'm just sure. trying to give the guy a little bit of a right i'm I mean, to cut I him a little it. bit of slack 
I get it. Like, you know, protecting your son, looking out for his safety. But come on, like there's some there's some low tech ways you can reach out to your son. It's like, I get it. Are the villains going to check your fucking mailbox for a letter Jeez. or something? I mean, come I, on. I, guys. I get it. I get it. I, I'm not saying that there were that there were, weren't better ways to handle the fact that he's been gone for a while. Like, I don't know. They, they could have had him say something like he had to leave, he had to go off planet for whatever reason. You know, he was trying to put some distance between him and his son, or he was captured and and held Look captive that. for ten in years. In thirty seconds, you know. Nathan, you've made better answers than the show gave us. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I am not discounting the fact that there were better ways to handle it than just I just stayed away. I get it. I'm still just trying to give the guy a little. I'm still trying to cut the guy a little bit of slack, but because right. admittedly. It's there for the dramatic reveal so that we can pay off one of the big character focuses for Tyler. He finds his dad. Right. Okay. And in terms of what, of what we're trying to accomplish in terms of plot, it were, it's fine, but the logistics needed a little bit of work. I'll give you that. To avoid further dragon daggers. Should we move on to our silver ranger? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. So let's, our let's Silver move, Ranger who shows up with five episodes to go. <laughs> yes. Zenowing. Yeah, played by Alistair Browning. Interestingly, in the Sentai, Zenowing's counterpart is the mentor. Oh. He show like I said, he shows up with a handful of episodes to go. And we get some foreshadowings of him because they were talking about the Silver Ranger a few times. We even see him a few times. He's communicating with the Rangers long distance. And then we tap into another common Sixth Ranger trope where he's an antagonist. Mm, But they mm -hmm. make it a little bit complicated. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So it turns out that Zenowing is a good guy and the Silver Energen bonded with him. But then one of the several factions of villains that we have over the course of the show, quote unquote, cursed him so that he basically had a split personality and he would switch between them. And the split per- and the split personality was evil, was Doomwing, which we'll talk about Doomwing. And basically Doomwing can become the Silver Ranger because it's already bonded with Xenowing. And but yeah. it, so it's a, it's a little bit weird because technically he shouldn't be able to if you're a bad guy those energems won't like you but because he's a evil personality within someone who's already good he can use it yeah and so it, it works for me it works for yeah me. it works it's just it's just kind of complicated because I mean his whole story Doomwings especially centers around how useless he is yes if he can't use it right yeah he's very Starscream. <laughs> And from Transformers. So when they meet the Silver Ranger finally, and he just picks a fight with them and his voice changed. Even I was really confused. Like what the frick just happened? I don't understand what's happening. And then they don't fully explain it. I think until the next episode after that. So I was still a little confused as everything was going, but, (laughs) but I thought, Oh crap, we have a traitorous Ranger. What the heck? Because they're because the, their first instinct is like, oh, it must be mind control. Nope, <laughs> it's not mind control. Not quite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I appreciate that. That would have been the easy route to go, but they didn't take the easy route. 
Yes, I appreciate that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't take the easy route with Zenowing as well. Yeah. Now, he's a tokusatsu character. Very, it's, very. It's like Kruger. I don't know how he stuffs that head into that helmet, but I uh, I like the design. He's very, you know, he's very much a bird. He's got a, the performance is good. I just wish we could have seen more of him. I really do. Yeah, he'd have been cool to see more of. He's just so well built. That that costume was just so cool looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it'd be cool to see that more. But mm-hmm. I guess I'll just watch the Sentai too. I guess, but and but they do give Zenowing a bit of an arc. He's the time tested kind of loner ranger. Then he learns to be on a team and things like that. We get it. And you know, but yeah, he, he had, also he, he had with, the same arc as Ivan. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it just got over with faster. And we, but yeah. we also find out he built the Zords. And, you know, was friends with Keeper and was helping Keeper out when he was trying to hide the Energem. So he's got this big backstory where he's connected to people. So he's an important character. We just don't see him until the last five, six episodes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I get it. They're trying to space out the introductions of all these new Rangers because there's 10 of them. And it would just feel bloated after a while, which has been a bit of a trend with the Power Ranger creators, because they've been trying to avoid using Sentais, they have a gazillion Rangers because they want to be able to really zero in on a nice, solid, s- smaller team so they can really write mm. stories. I mean, I think it's still possible. I mean, if Sentai can juggle a, a, a larger team, I would think they can, but I guess just differences in sensibilities. But again, you know, you can only do so much when you have that many characters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not everyone not not every character is going to have the opportunity to be fully fleshed out when you have this many when you have this many rangers on the Right, right. Right. And thankfully Zenowing does feel like he contributes things. He doesn't just show up and do nothing. You know, they actually use him to to drive the plot forward in some form or another or to shake things up with the character dynamics. So, right. I have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, I just a, wanted more. He which I think pals around with uh, Riley a little bit, right? Yeah, he teaches yeah. him how to do the whatever it's called. His little yeah. Oh, super yeah. move. Yeah, his super move. Yeah, I, which I think should tell you something. If I watched Zenowing in a handful of episodes, and I say I wish he I had seen him more of him, it's probably a good sign. And he is in the Boom Studios comics. I just read one where he was in it. I was confused because I hadn't seen Dino Charge yet. So I'm like, who the heck are you, and why are you important? But. <laughs> You're talking about Battle for the Grid. That's the video the grid. game. Or into the grid. Sorry, into beyond the grid. The grid. Yeah, he was beyond, beyond the, grid. the grid. Geez, they're yeah. all with all the ones with the grid in it. I get them all yeah. confused, but yes, beyond beyond the grid. Beyond the grid. Yeah, he was in there, and I was actually there's a couple of characters from Dino Charge who were in, it and I was a little confused. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I didn't understand their significance yet. So, anything else on Zenowing? Nope. That's it for me. All right, so let's talk about Keeper. The one we have a gigantic Ranger roster, and now we're Mike getting to, to the me? supporting cast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> played by Richard Simpson. Okay, I was really concerned at first when I saw this. Not only was to the, the not only was like looks a little Mac and me. I was also Mac thinking, and me. Like, there it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was also me. thinking, oh God, please don't be Larago. Please don't be Larago. I don't need flashbacks. 
<laughs> I was PTSDing over the Turbo movie a little bit there. Hey. Thankfully, he is much better than Larago. He doesn't do a whole lot. Right. Although when he gets physically involved, he tends to just trounce people. Yeah, Maybe. he's tough. Yeah. But the main thing is he's not an exposition machine like Zordon. He actually gives wise counsel to mm-hmm. the Rangers and a lot of it. Uh, some of it is you know, very tried and true. Borders on cliche at points, but you know, very tried and true. But then there were a few times where it's like, you know what? You are a pretty smart guy, aren't you? So, you know, he, he looks like this little Mac and me character in a Jedi robe and he has a staff. So, th- this, you know, so that's cool. Although sometimes I feel like the animatronics in that suit are a little weird. Hmm. Anyone else yeah. feel that way? He's a little too bug eyed. I think. But, well, the, that, and I mean, his eyes look like they're CG'd on mm-hmm. to be quite frank. And then his mouth does not move enough. Yeah, and it sometimes, but his, I, th- I think what it really is is the eyes, because the eyes, I just feel like the whole face doesn't emote as much as it should. It tends to stay in that kind of static, wide-eyed look, and mm-hmm. it doesn't quite match the performance at points. I'm like, okay, this is bordering on weird. <laughs> yeah, you get Almost used to it, creepy. but it is weird. Yeah. It's, it's just, so it's just, I don't feel like the execution of the suit and animatronics did an otherwise fine character any favors Mm. what do you guys think yeah i mean i think i think you're right on the money he's pretty he's he's pretty straightforward he's wise he's surprisingly strong but then sometimes weak uh for some reason whenever the plot needs him to be weak um especially towards the end uh but i think I think he's a pretty interesting and cool character, but you do have to get used to just his look and his face just not moving. He, he looks like Mickey Rourke uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways with how little his face moves. <laughs> so, so I subtly want Mickey Rourke to voice this character. So, so what you're saying, it's like $65 million worth of Botox? exactly yeah exactly well you know i don't i don't mind i don't mind keeper like i'm i'm with you too when i when keeper first shows up and that is and he and he kind of establishes the backstory of giving the inner gems to dinosaurs blah 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 like i fully expected to despise that character but I, I like Keeper. I, I I feel like I'm stumbling over my words here, but I do like Keeper. Aesthetically speaking, yeah, he's very American. Like you can tell the difference, right? Between you can tell the difference between when it's American made costumes versus the what they brought over from Japan, because there's just that clear attention to detail and aesthetic difference that I that that becomes becomes obvious because i feel like that the aesthetics for the american made stuff is a little bit soft considering this is a quote a kid show they have to appear a little softer than say the sen than the sentai stuff because the japanese just don't give a f you know uh they're they're gonna do whatever they feel like doing and keeper i don't know i i don't i'm probably not making any damn sense right now but i like keeper keeper's fine <laughs> So are villains. Um, 
<laughs> we got to talk about the villains. Okay, we have so, several factions. Several. We 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 are. This is another case of villain factions. This seems to be a seems to be a trend for this particular era of Power Rangers. At least, actually, no. It was like it, it, it was a trend that started over in the Disney era. That's a correction. Uh, but we have Operation Overdrive. Oh wait, we have villain factions, and we are first introduced to our main villain. Sledge, who is a not from the Sentai, <laughs> who is not from the Sentai, which still does not negate how cool his design looks. I will say yeah, that. Yeah, played by a, Adam Gardner. We should mention they did a and, really great job with his design. Yeah, and I, he's oh my gosh, he he looks like a big old ogre with a big with a he's green skinned, but he wears a lot of armor and he has this face mask with a light up kind of mouthpiece that just flashes when he talks. And oh my gosh, he's a muscle head <laughs> to say. Yeah. We were, yeah. He, he's yeah. got this relationship with Poisandra too, where he's like timid about it. You know what? He's Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. Not, we know where that relationship is going. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Oh wow. no! Oh no! Well, wow. I I actually my first thought was, I well, we're uh, you might have just upset Jamie because Jamie loves Poisandra. Oh, I like Poisandra too. Yeah, but, but anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll get to Poisandra in a moment. But people uh, liked Amber Heard at one point too. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyway, I think that Sledge is aptly named. He is a he's supposed to be a bounty hunter, which seems a little odd, but mm -hmm. he has this whole menagerie of monsters that he's and aliens that he's captured, and then he'll just go grab one. It's like you go kill the Power Rangers. Funny yeah. enough, when there's a scene in one episode where they all get loose, and I saw our favorite vampire lady from Mystic Force was in there, like, hold on. How did you get there? <laughs> but he's aptly named because he's very much a blunt instrument. His solution to most problems is break it. <laughs> he's very straightforward. He doesn't yes. really think about it. It's just break it. <laughs> and I think that was, that was the point of, that was the point. Cause he was, he was built to be this this big lumbering thing and this big lumbering character. And I was reading the, um, I was reading the, the, the behind the scenes guy, the uh, power ranger, whatever the, the effects book, the old, uh, the, the visual history guy. There we go. Um, power Bible for those who've been listening to the show. Um, and they mentioned that when they built the set for Sledge's ship, that they actually scaled down things ever so slightly to make Sledge appear bigger than what he actually is. Ah. Mm -hmm. And well, what's interesting is I think I don't know if this was just a fact of the suit, or if this wasn't a you know a choice by the suit actor, but. Sledge kind of lumbers as he walks, but he also doesn't look like he can quite stand up straight. You know, he mm -hmm. looks uh, slightly hunched. And I don't, like I said, I don't know if that was the weight of the suit or if that's just how the actor chose to walk. But I think mm -hmm. that I actually like that. You know, that's a kind of like, it just gives, it gives Sledge a certain attitude as he's moving. Right. Yeah. 
He's very cool. He's very cool. I, I, it's like you said, I, I do like the leaning. It's weird. It's almost cartoonish in a way. But he does seem intimidating. I wish we got to see him fight a little bit more. Well, uh, it might be good that we didn't because we, I get the impression, much like Lord Zed, that if he actually got involved in the fight, it would go very badly for our heroes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably true too. But, you know, his whole his whole story is pretty interesting without Poissandra as well. But what I don't quite get, I mean, his ship is awesome. That set is so cool. Right. But what I don't quite get is... <laughs> What happened? Why did he disappear for so long? He went on vacation. He went on vacation. I will say that was so funny. It was. (laughs) was. That was. (laughs) I kind of love the fact. Like this actually strikes a very interesting balance with the villains because I could take Sledge seriously as a threat. Honestly, he's probably my favorite main villain in this whole show. Cause I was a little disappointed with the rest of them yeah. in one form or another, but there were points where they played him for laughs, but I don't feel like they undermined him at any point. And the whole vacation montage, when he comes back toward the end of supercharge just made me laugh. I'm like, you know what? I can, I can buy it. Sledge <laughs> yeah. just went on yeah. vacation for a while. And Poissandra's like, where have you been? Where have you been? Oh, I missed you so much. They have a very Joker Harley relationship, except I think Sledge actually loves her. Unlike yeah. the Joker. He, he might, he might be the Harley. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, the, I, I don't know if I would go that far. Well, the uh, relation, the relation, because I, I, th- I don't think a, Sledge is henpecked because he's, when she's right. getting all nuts about having a wedding, he's just like, Ugh. yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, that's true. And I've seen other fans say that it's a little bit of an abusive relationship. I don't, I don't get I, that it's, impression. It's, it's not abusive. I don't he, think he's, it's abusive. He's committed to something that he's not really want. He, he can't say no to her for some reason, right. but that's not really abusive. I wouldn't say that's just him not, not being able to say no to her for whatever. That's reason. just him being a simp. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, uh, well, I'm trying to look up this one line. Oh, yeah. Because they, much like Rita and Zed, they have these weird little compliments and nicknames for each other. But he does Poisy. tell Poissandra, he calls her Poisy. Yeah. He does say to Poissandra at one point, he's like, every galactic bounty hunter needs a girl like you, Poissandra. Smart, beautiful, heart shaped. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he's an entirely a Saban creation. Like I think we yeah. mentioned that. You can definitely tell, tell because his yeah. his design uh, his design motif is very different because the rest of his crew is from the uh, are from the Sentai. Well, mm-hmm. he's got the green stocking arms and legs, right? right. Like, that are clearly not like fabricated yeah. like the rest of these suits are. Yeah, and yeah. he doesn't have the faces on it i'm still trying to figure i'm actually looking up the sentai villains and i'm trying to figure out what the deal is with the faces on them and i still can't find it however i did just find out because the in the sentai the villains are called the deboth army they're Mm -hmm. based on characters from the wizard of oz have you seen the movie both baby (laughs) 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 <laughs> I don't know what that's so funny. 
DeBoth baby. DeBoth baby. DeBoth baby. That's getting memed. Anyway, uh, yeah, but I'm just looking at this and subtly these characters make a little bit more sense. Like, Poissandra's counterpart is Dorothy and the the Wedge's counterpart is the Tin Man. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, let's see, uh, Fury? Is it Fury? Yeah, Fury is the Cowardly Lion. Oh. My mind is so blown right now. And who's the other one? The I'm guessing it's Curi. I think it's Curio's counterpart is the Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Yeah. I mean, now that now that you mentioned that they're based on Wizard of Oz characters, I actually kind of see it now. Yeah. I uh, do too. think I just wish that I knew what the white faces on these uniforms stood yeah, for. Yeah, I, I wish I could part figure that's that bug- out. Too. That's the part that's bugging me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, there's like a whole thing, like all of them are inspired by the Wizard of Oz in some form. Or, yeah, yeah, the Curio. And then, oh man. Anyway, I'm not going to park on there for too long or we'll get lost. Anyway, because we have individual characters to talk about. Any more thoughts on, on I almost called him Wedge, Sledge? <laughs> no, no, we can move on to Fury. Fury, who is the more proactive out of our villains here, Sledge, much like Zed, spends most of his time on the ship telling people what to do. Fury is most responsible for creating the most rangers. <laughs> there's Every a part time he I look, fights, he creates a ranger. I, I, you know, there's a part of me that feels kind of sorry for Fury. I was like, dude, it's like he's trying so hard. He's trying so hard. And he keeps screwing up. And I'm like, I can't hate you, dude. Because you're trying so hard. (laughs) He's like a really, he's like Goldar at some point. You know, he just gets so frustrated that you just can't help but feel sorry. Well, he's so, he's he's so serious all the time. And he's trying to, he's trying to do a good job for Sledge because so Sledge doesn't, doesn't punish him. You know, he's, he, but he always gets, it seems as though he's, he's always getting in his own way. Yeah. Paul, but played by Paul Harrop, by the way, we should mention that. But he's the first villain that I think that we see and we see most Mm -hmm. often because, like I said, Sledge is spending most of his time hanging out on his ship and 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 hanging out with Poisandra. Dino Charge especially. It feels like he's everywhere during Dino Charge. Right. 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 Let me go back. Now, the design of Fury... Uh, feels like it's it, it. It would be more at home in something like Jungle Fury than 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 here. But I don't I don't mind it. I think it's good Tokusatsu. Yeah, yeah. I, and there's I mean there's not a whole lot to Fury's character in a lot of ways. He's I, I this this seems kind of reductionist, but he is kind of a typical Power Ranger villain. He fills the general role the 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 Goldar role very well. And for what he is, he does a good job at it. I've said before, when it comes to making villains, you want to make them either really cool, like just as cool as possible, or you want to make them really dynamic characters. Mm-hmm. Fury's not a dynamic character, but I think he's pretty cool. And I, like I said, I ended up feeling weirdly sorry for him. When you get to the final episode and he gets taken out by a bomb that wouldn't have killed him otherwise. And we literally see him just float up into the air and spontaneously explode. I'm like, well, that didn't seem fair. 
why do I feel sorry for him? <laughs> He's one of the yeah. bad guys. <laughs> I, that was a surprise to see him go out quite like that. But I guess it was a powerful bomb. I mean, it did destroy part of the ship at the beginning of the episode, right? right. Or beginning of the series. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. But and still, I mean, it's I can't looking. <laughs> yeah. And I can't fault him for his determination. He's apparently been at this whole energy collecting thing for millions of years and has been plaguing, you know, humanity for a while trying to get them. He had a fight with Ivan back in the middle ages. Mm, right. So, you know, like I said, I can't fault him there. Hmm. Right. So I don't have anything else on Fury. We even less Alex, you do, or and we no. to move on to Wrench. Yeah, Wrench, voiced by Estevez Gillespie. I double checked. It it's is not, not the guy same. who voiced Babu. I know, yeah, but but it sounds a lot like the guy. It who sounds Babu. a lot like him. I seriously thought it was the same guy, but, but it sounds a lot like it. Uh, the voice, the guy that did the voice of Babu. Yes. Yeah. Yes, quite. quite. <laughs> <laughs> Alex has not hasn't said a yes quite yet. I'm a little surprised. Well, he's not. He's not. He's not to the point in the show where it's where we've started to use it a lot. That's the yeah. Point. So I'm I'm listening to your Turbo episode right now. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, I listen as I watch. That way, I can have something to look. That didn't to. start it's until been... our episode with Kim at Dino. Yeah, Dino, uh, Dino Thunder, but but. The, yeah, but Mr. Estevez has been around before. He was... <laughs> Sorry, Mitch. <laughs> he was bootleg solar panel alpha. <laughs> <laughs> and he also voices Kirio, by the way, in this. Oh, okay. oh, and he was a monster of the week in Dino Fury. And he also shoots tears out of his eyes, at least during the first season. Yeah, because he's uh, like his Sentai counterpart is supposed to be the Sad Knight. Mm, okay. Again, but again, when you th- when you remember, oh, he's the Tin Man. Tin Man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he also said it also says here on the Ranger Wiki that his inspiration for Wrench's voice is Mister Burns and Bullwinkle. <laughs> wow. Okay, wow. I could I could see it maybe a little bit the Bullwinkle especially. <laughs> That remind now that you bring that up, Nathan, about the, the about the sad night part. That that reminds me of a thought that I had when I was watching through Dino Charge. Oh, what's that? Honestly, I thought that these these villains were based on. I th- I thought maybe what's the um what's the movie Alex the Disney movie that came out a few years Inside Out where Inside they had out. all the had all the different emotions yes. as characters yes, Inside Out. That's what I thought we were dealing with here. Like fury is anger or slash hatred. Uh, Wrench is sadness slash sorrow slash whatever. And then Poissandra is love and joy and all that. And I thought that that's what we were dealing with. And here that. So are they supposed to be sledges emotions? Like, (laughs) like they're just manifestations of of sledges psyche. (laughs) There you go. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This suddenly got really weird. (laughs) Maybe. And maybe Curio is the manifestation of fear because Curio is a little bit more like a little bit more fearful. (laughs) Yeah. Very timid. Very, very timid. Oh boy. I think we've tapped into something we didn't expect here. 
Uh, oh my gosh. So, so are they physical manifestations or is Sledge just insane and is just talking to himself all the time? Well, the whole time, like all, like the whole time it's the Rangers battling Sledge's personalities, not actually, not actually those characters. Themselves. Wait a minute. He has an imaginary girlfriend that is just a manifestation of I his mean, happiness. I mean, okay, what? so, it, it, so wait, you know, no, wait, doesn't that mean Sledge is a narcissist because he's literally in love okay. with himself? Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Here's a, here's one of those. Here's one of those crazy. I know I don't like conspiracy theorists. But hear me out. <laughs> you're you're tapping into your inner Zio to hero here, right? Yeah, oh. yeah. So hear me out. Um, Sledge actually lives on that ship alone and so he has manifested all of these personalities to keep him company so that he doesn't go insane or he's already insane and that's where all these manifestations of his personalities are coming from so wait the monsters of the week too yes well no 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 no. the monsters of the week are prisoners he's captured so basically it's just him on the ship by himself in the bridge and then all the prisoners he's captured because he's a, he's a lone bounty. Essentially he's essentially he's Mando, but (laughs) you are welcome listeners with attitude. You will never be able to see this series. the same Inside out Two, starring sledge. Sledge, I'm so sad. What is going to happen today? (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Wrench! (laughs) Shut up, Wrench! I'm Fury! I say we smash everything! And to top it off, to top it off, the film Inside Out came out in 2015. So there you go. We have figured (laughs) it out. You did it. Oh my god. Solve the mystery. Boom! suddenly (laughs) suddenly sledge is an even deeper character than i thought there we go i got there i I don't know how i got there but i got there you're welcome jamie when you listen to this you are welcome sir so he was standing at the altar by himself no one was in the room yes he was trying to conduct his own way by the way i love that image of this big like shoulders going on for days like a big lumpery character wearing a tux. You know, what, you know like, what? I mean, the wedding episode of Mighty Morphin wrecked me. Like, you know, I was I, laughing so hard. I had to pause the episode for five minutes. We, we didn't address this, this. This was glorious. I'm like, why didn't I get Zed in a tux? I need Zed in a tux. We didn't address this when we talked about Sledge. I'm going to bring it up again here. I like how Sledge's army's army. I like how Sledge's armor is really rusty because um, it it just kind of shows he's been floating around. He's been he's been traveling space a really long time. He's basically just made of space junk, and because it's really that really that scene when he tries to fly off in his jetpack and his jetpacks won't work and he has to like hit his chest to make the make the rockets come out i thought that was funny but yeah but anyway we were saying about wrench wrench is the monster maker he's kind of the finster he is yeah and he's the butt of many jokes he takes a lot of abuse unfortunately fury takes a fair amount too but i feel like poor wrench gets it a lot but wrench will also get involved and try to fight the rangers sometimes i felt a little bit sorry for him too like when we have the 
apparently the true finale with the second Christmas episode, and he's trying to escape from the ship before it gets flung oh, into yeah. the sun. And he just gets shoved away by the Christmas monster. It's so good. And I'm like, guys are a bunch of jerks. <laughs> guys are a bunch of jerks. So, again, for what he's supposed to do, he works out fine. He also invents Christmas lights that bring monsters back from the dead. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Why not? He has a yeah. resurrection machine that's probably just Christmas lights. Of course. We, we just haven't figured out the science yet. Right, of course. Like it, yeah. it, like knowing that he's just a manifestation of Sledge's personality of sadness. <laughs> it all comes for it. All, it all makes perfect sense now. Okay, so uh, do we have anything else to say about Wrench, or should we talk about Sledge's no. happiness? Let's let's talk about Sledge's heart. His, his, his heart. His, his heart. <laughs> his heart. Poissandra. By the way, great name. I want to. I would just want to say that that's a great name. I do like the name. Uh, Voiced by Jackie Clark, who I found out is a singer in New Zealand. Yes, I actually did a little bit of research myself uh, and found that out. Which you can kind of tell she has a bit of a sing songiness to her voice. She does because she she talks in song every now and then. Yeah, she's a voice. Sandra is a very happy villainess, I have to say, which is very in line with her Sentai counterpart. Her Sentai counterpart, I found out, is also a very joyous super villainess. And in the Sentai, she actually turns good after a while. I can see that. Yeah. But Sandra does not. <laughs> you know, one thing that almost made my awards, which is a line from poor San- Poi Sandra was, if you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> thank you. I, thank Thank you. Fellow kids for thank you. Uh, fellow kids for pointing out pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we talking about, uh, about uh, Poi Sandra lines? Uh, Yes. Well, oh, I mean, look, yeah. they're all dressed up. Fury says, dress for their own funerals. <laughs> I, I, and she I, wears I, a wedding dress. Like they put a wet, they made a wedding dress for yeah. that suit. Anyway, um, Alex, what were you going to say about Poi Sandra? I, I just like how, how useless so much of this team is about her too. Like the vacation part. There's a part during the vacation episode. It's not just Boy Sandrick and Curio. Like they, they, Curio? Tra- no, no, Curio's Curio. a different character. Uh, uh, but Curio. Curio. But they're, they're trying to get all these <laughs> the inner gems. And there's like even a line. I can't even remember who said it. I think it was, it may have been Fury even. But he says that he lost the Rangers while they were playing hide and seek. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like. They're all just so inept. Even when they are not trying to protect themselves, like Poisandra and Curio can't nab the things and instead yeah. go on the adventures with them. Yeah. Now, I mean, Poisandra is a little bit of a drama queen. She's a little bit of a bridezilla. But I, yeah, I, that was a comedic understatement. But I, I got to give credit where credit is due. She was still loyal to her man, even when she thought he was gone. Yeah, she was. She yeah, still she was. waited for him. I mean, she could have gotten just, you know, just gotten together with Heckle or Snide or Lord Arcanon. Look, you know, God knows he, Lord Arcanon looks like he's wielding all kinds of power, but he's like, no, I'm I, Sledge. 
my my man is Sledge. <laughs> mm-hmm. So can't falter there. No, nope, you there can't. You go. And you know, just for the sake of moving the conversation along, we can we can skip Curio. Curio's doesn't show up off that often, and Curio he doesn't, doesn't do really, a whole lot. Doesn't do a whole yeah. lot. He's just but he's there. there. He's Poissandra's best friend. Yeah, is it he there. actually? Is no, Curio a boy or a girl? I thought it was a girl. Actually, no, Poissandra is male, but I did read that they thought about making Curio female. Wait, what did you did you say? Poissandra is a male. Poissandra Excuse me, Curio, Curio <laughs> is male, but they thought I mean, about making him female. I mean, you're about to I throw mean, me for a loop. Poissandra is definitely female right. because she's apparently queen, according to according to according to Jamie. In, yes, according to people in the fandom. Uh, yes, quite. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Curio doesn't show up all that often, honestly. So it's really not worth. Although he helps, on. he helps Poissandra deal with Sledge's absence because they become best friends. True. And True. I think didn't Poissandra yeah. make yeah. him? Like he, yeah. he's like a like a an oversized doll that she kind of patched together mm-hmm. to make a friend. Oh, yeah. I think. Oh, so maybe Curio's just. Oh is no. The, is no. the is the subconscious is oh, the no. subconscious manifestation of Sledge needing a friend <laughs> because because Curio is made up uh, it looks like a quilted blanket and so, so heckle all- and Snack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna get into some crazy some crazy places with heckle and snide in relation to sledge no because they're actually prisoners you can't go no, there. yeah i i actually i super mega like heckle and snide uh no <laughs> <laughs> anyway oh, so heckle and snide voiced by <laughs> oh excuse me played by ryan carter and campbell cooley Ryan is, oh, Mr. Carter is Heckle. Mr. Cooley is Snide. We're, as the name makes abundantly clear, we're doing the Jekyll and Hyde thing again. Yes. I don't like it as much here as I did in Dino Thunder. Because I don't feel like they did as much with it as they should have. Also, they hyped hyped Heckle so much in those last few episodes of the first season. Because I I was like, okay, this guy's going to be like a Q or a Mr. Mixia Spitalik. He's like this nigh omnipotent being that Sledge has somehow managed to imprison and he's afraid to let him out because of all, because of just how powerful he is and he's going to cause him more trouble than he's worth and things like that. And then he gets to be the main villain for the next season. And then we find out, Oh, he can change into another character who we in Snide Sentai counterpart is like the embodiment of all evil. <laughs> and he only shows up like once, I think, but, but when we actually got to him being the main villain, I'm just like, you're not as cool as you were hyped to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I agree. I, I thought he was going to be like almost undefeatable, and it turns out he still just loses every time. I did like the heckle portion of the personality more than I did the snide. Snide, snide is kind of boring, and I don't like that voice. He talks like this all the time. I am snide. <laughs> he's cool. He's cool looking. He is very yeah. cool looking. He looks though. like Zeltrax. Like I swear, yeah, I, they just took a Zeltrax suit and just repainted it and made it a new character. 
I fully expected him to be after revenge the whole time. <laughs> um, revenge. But, um, but you, I, I agree with, I agree with Alex. I agree with Alex. I did enjoy heckles character more than Snide. Snide's just a little bit too one dimensional for my taste. Um, he's I did fun, like how they could talk to each other when one personality was in charge. Oh like, yeah. That like was a, a lot of stopwatch or something. It's like, Hey, that's kind of amusing. That was, a little, that was a lot. Of fun. I had so many questions about heckle because his, his character design just didn't really make sense to me. When they, especially when you find out that he's from Sentai, a planet called Sentai Six, haha show, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that had mm-hmm. been destroyed so that they could get an Energem. So, well, you, supposed- energy. You, t- you touch the dark Energem, you start yeah. dressing like you're in a cyberpunk or a, a, a steampunk novel. That's what that's what confused me. It's like, wait, he's from another planet, but he dresses like a steampunk cosplayer. Why? Maybe he was. If maybe he was, this is not. He, maybe this is not Wizard of Oz, but but more so like Alice in Wonderland, and he's the Mad Hatter. I guess, but he was. He seemed so much more threatening and quote unquote mad in the at the end of season one than he did when he was the main villain. I'm mm-hmm. like, stay crazy, dude. Why are you suddenly a little bit saner? I want nutty. I want you to chew the scenery. If you Actually, chewed the scenery a little bit more, like in the like in season one, I would have been all for it. But I'm gonna write that note down. Write a Sentai based on Alice and Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I, I did like the heckle side. I did like how it played out and that he had this background uh on <laughs> Sentai Six. Um and then he, you know, he flips sides at the end of the day, which I, mm. I liked. Um, I would have liked a little more of it, even. But overall, I think the Snide character dragged Heckle down, just because he just wasn't as powerful as he needed to be. Right, okay. right. I mean, I, I, I'm not against because this has a nice dividing point. Season one ends with them thinking that they have beaten Sledge, Sledge. and his crew. Yeah. And then Heckle's like, oh, this is when I can get uh, can be in charge. And then he basically just takes over for the whole crew because they think Sledge is gone when, in fact, he's just on vacation singing karaoke in Japan. And and Heckle is interesting because he he appears human for his half. His half of him is human, so he can kind of infiltrate into the Rangers inner circle a little mm-hmm. bit. And mm-hmm. that's a really interesting thing it that is. they didn't he- really do anything with and he's charming because he you know he 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 kind of flirts with kendall and kendall's a little smitten with him and then it turns out he's evil so you know we can't have any of that you know and he charms the rangers for a little bit convinces them that he's not a bad guy and then they figure out he's a bad guy and he's like okay well screw all y'all and (laughs) Mm -hmm. although this does bring in a bit of a plot hole because we find out the Zords can actually fly up into space and they're twice the size of Sledge's ship and no one thinks, why don't we just go take the ship out? Because these Rangers are very proactive. They aren't as concerned with not escalating a fight because they're like, you know what? We can infiltrate Sledge's ship. We should just go do it. <laughs> but, you know, we're, uh, we're not going to send the Zords up there. Maybe the ship is fast enough that it could just fly away, right? It's Maybe, for speed, for speed. but it, but 
it doesn't explain how when Heckle is in charge and it's just from a crashed ship, the Rangers never think, let's go blow it up with a Zord. <laughs> just stomp this thing to the ground. Oops. It's like it's like a it's like a great set of wheels. They're more so built for speed than for durability. <laughs> Heckle was pretty good. I, I just, you know, more more of him would have been nice. Just, it's just a little, I agree with you, Nathan. It's just a little bit of a missed opportunity. It's not yeah. bad. It's just a little missed just opportunity. Just a missed opportunity. Yeah. Now he is in the Boom Studios comics and apparently becomes a ranger. Oh, that's cool. I, I kind of expected uh, Heckle to become a ranger at some point, but then, you know, his turn ended up coming so much later than I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I thought he was actually going to end up being the Silver Ranger, and then or whatever, not Silver. Um, what what Rangers are last one? Is he Silver? Is Silver? He was Silver. Yeah. Yeah. Zeno. Yeah. Okay. Now the, there was apparently a an eleventh Ranger in the Sentai, which is who the Talon Ranger was going to be. I could see him turning into Talon Ranger. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Oh well. Okay, and, and, but Lord. again, he it's it's it, Heckle is original to Power Rangers. Snide is a Sentai character, so they kind of tried to meld the two and I don't think they succeeded as well as they could have. Mm, yeah. Lord Arcanon. Oh Who cares? This guy is nuts. <laughs> yeah, this guy I looks really, ridiculous. I, I don't care about Lord Arcanon. We can skip Lord Arcanon. He looks really cool. He does. He, look he cool. really does look cool, and his Sentai counterpart is nutty. Like, mm. I looked up the Sentai counterpart's name. Look at me. I am the evil Statue of Liberty. <laughs> he is the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> he is the Statue of Liberty. I, that's the first thought that I thought. Yeah, but his Sentai counterpart is Hundred-Faced High Priest Chaos. Oh. Oh. What a cool name. <laughs> Not as good as Beast Fist, but it's, uh, <laughs> Beast you know. Beast yeah. Fist. But again, he looks really cool. He's kind of terrifying. Like, like he has no lips, and it's just his jaw that keeps moving. And it, it's, yeah. So he looks frightening, but mm-hmm. I, yeah. What what a what a what a disappointment again. Honestly, yeah, like, absolutely. I thought he was going to be trouncing the Rangers. He's going to he's going to wipe out whatever's left of our original crew, including Heckle, which is why I thought he would flip into a Ranger, and then yeah. he's just nothing. I mean, yeah. he, he gets wiped out, and then we bring uh, Sledge back instead. Yeah, you know, yeah he, I mean, I like the he asymmetrical was, design. I do yeah. too. He, he was, but he was killed in a pretty, I would say, unceremonious way. He was just kind of poof. He was just kind of mm-hmm. poofed by by Sledge and the crew. Um, and then speaking, going back just to, to Snide, just for a hot second, when Sledge comes back, Snide is just literally pushed aside. He's like, "Get out of here! Uh, we don't need you." You're not yeah. one of my personalities. Get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they also give Lord Arcanon some pretty significant lore around him because he's the one who destroyed Sentai six and was looking yeah. for the dark Energem and helped make yeah. the dark Energem. And he used to have two of those two big, crazy shoulder pads, but one of them got broken off on Sentai six. I mean, so they tried to give him a lot of significance, but he's, mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's just the cool-looking villain who took over for a few episodes, and yeah, that's a, yeah, that he's only the, amounts he, to. He's the one. He's the one that 
creates Doom Doomwing. Yeah. Um, yes. We can we we can talk about Doomwing just really quickly here too. Um, but he's the one that creates Doomwing, which is the evil counterpart to Zenowing, and that's from the that's from the Sentai. Right. Yeah. Doomwing, voiced by Mark Wright. Mm-hmm. And he really is, like you said, a Starscream character because yeah. as soon as they as he is not able to use that silver energem, he just gets bullied so much. He does. <laughs> he really does. Uh, my here's my fan theory: Lord Arcanon is the son of Moot Slime Statue of Liberty from Ghostbusters Two. Oh, interesting. Oh, there you interesting. go. <laughs> <laughs> he he's the love child of the Statue of Liberty and the what was the bad guy's name of Ghostbusters too? <laughs> the old Lord. <laughs> the oh old, yeah. The old evil Lord. <laughs> That's I haven't seen Ghostbusters too in a while. But <laughs> there you go. That's basically what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, Doomwing is he's fun. He's very much the Star Scream. There's not a lot to say about him. Other than the fact that he got to be the, he was technically the Silver Ranger for a hot minute, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know pulled a fast one on the Rangers, and but otherwise he's just begging for his life and you know trying to do his best, and then he gets separated from Zenowing and they don't quite know Singe what to a, do with him. Sorry, Singe is a much more interesting character. Singe, yes. it, it, they had, <laughs> voiced by Mark Mitchinson. I love the design of Singe. Yes. It's very Sentai, and at first when I saw him, I was like, what exactly is he supposed to be? I think he's supposed to look like a bunch of half-melted candles, but he gets called a birthday cake at one point. Yeah, he's 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 obviously fire. He's obviously a fire type. There you go, Pokemon fans. <laughs> um, he, he's obviously a fire type, uh, but I think I think you're right, Nathan. He's supposed to be like this a big a big Roman candle. And he starts out really cool. Yeah, he I does. Because I, I, I thought it, maybe he was going to be a monster of the week, and I had written him down. Like, yeah, yeah I think this, this might be my favorite monster of the week, and then yeah, he stuck yeah. around. I wish yeah. he hadn't stuck it around almost, because after he does, uh, after he is like a traitor, and he comes back with uh, Lord Arcanon, he's not as interesting anymore. No. And he's not as powerful yeah, anymore Yeah, he either. kind of got, he kind of gets relegated to just being a part of the crew at that point. There's just He just no... gets relegated to being anti-Fury. Right? Yeah. Anti-Fury. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Yeah, he is kind of the replacement for Fury. I think they did play that up a little bit. I mean, come on. The guy has a gun that he says he never misses with, and he calls it the last blaster because it'll be the last blaster his enemies ever see. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just like bar- like puts on his hip and just barrages everything with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he does start off really cool. And I'm like, oh, last blaster. Okay. Uh, I'm rolling with this. But yeah, once Lord Arcanon shows up, he's much less interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which is too bad. Yeah. Agreed. So so our foot soldiers for this season, the Vivix slash Vivazords. This is the first time in a while I feel like we've had worthwhile foot soldiers. You know, they they look like an army of Dada's. They do look like Dada. It's <laughs> like dreadlock Dada. <laughs> yeah, they're but they're supposed to be, I think, seaweed in the Sentai. They're supposed yeah, to be like made of I like think... seaweed and, and like plants. Yeah, because they or... got like little amoebas and stuff on their yeah. suits and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they do look like I think they even get called seaweed heads. Or yeah, they get like called a lot of time. things. Yeah. yeah. In the Sentai, they are called the Zarima. Mm. 
we've discussed on this show that like we like foot soldiers with interesting design traits yes. and things that look for for example the putties the the putties are are terrifying because they're they're just human looking enough to be to be uh to to be scary i think the vivix are the same way because they're kind of this like not necessarily faceless horde but they're just creepy enough to uh, to be interesting and what, and this is a trend. I think this is a trend that got started with samurai, if not a little earlier, but, um, they can grow to large size, uh, or no, no, no. I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of something because the vivazords are vivazords, vivasauruses. Yeah. That's them. A bunch of them combining together. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's actually quite <clears throat> terrifying. Cause there's that one, there, there's that one little portion uh, I think it's episode two where a bunch of them come together to create a Viva Zord. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it reminds me of that scene. It, it reminds me of that scene from in space. The, uh, oh, oh God, what are they, the craterites. Uh, I keep yes. referencing, I keep, I kept thinking about the craterites because the craterites can, uh, the craterites, the, cra the craterite aggregates can come together to make a, a much bigger craterite. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I can't find anything that talks about if they're supposed to be seaweed or whatnot. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the Sentai. However, I did find something out about one of the Monsters of the Week in connection to them that, oh boy, they uh, kind of censored a little bit. <laughs> oh, so, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, so, yeah, and I like the Vivazords. I think it's nice to actually see the foot soldiers be able to do something against the Rangers when they to have do, the Zords. Yeah, yeah to do yeah. something. And I like yeah, the yeah. design of the Vivazords. Yeah. If they, they just, where their heads just look like a giant dinosaur mouth that just and it looks like them. and it, it's also interesting too that that they did this in they did this in Sam, they started this in samurai and i can't remember if it was started anywhere else but uh where the foot soldiers can grow gigantic to zord size mm -hmm. yeah. and a six samurai the was the week. first to do that was samurai well no because we had that? some cogs that got big in zeo well that doesn't count um that that whole finale was weird uh, <laughs> it was weird, but you know, it, it, it started in, it started essentially in samurai and then it's just kind of went into the, I just, I just like the fact that we break the, um, we break the traditional, the foot soldiers stay on the ground to fight the, to, to fight the humans. And we save the monster of the, and the monster of the week is the only thing that grows and fights the Megazord. I, I just like that change in dynamic. Right. Right. And then and then we did have a second set of foot soldiers, the spike balls. Try finding jeans for those. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, these guys actually have a bit more personality. They actually will mm -hmm. talk back to the Rangers, yeah. banter with them a little bit. And you know what the best part about them are about them is? What? They're blue. So they're blue spike balls. <laughs> Way to go, Michael. I'm so proud of you. I'm amazed I didn't make that connection myself. But I guess I don't live in the gutter like my co host. I like the gutter. I'll be here with you. <laughs> That's the quote of the episode. I like the gutter. Oh, boy. All right, so let's move into the Monsters of the Week portion. I personally only have two, and I'm just going to tell you what they are. Greenzilla and Badusa. 
Bedusa, uh, yeah, I had those yeah. on my list too. Bedusa, mainly. Bedusa uh, reminds me a lot of Predator. Like it's a very like, he does look yes. like Predator. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a it's an homage to Predator. I like it. I like it a lot. Greenzilla because well, yeah, of course, for, for of course. Reasons. Well, and oh, 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 funny course. enough, I found out that the Greenzillas are actually the first forms of the villain from the Sentai. Oh, oh, that's cool. So they eventually, the uh, they eventually transform into the main villain. That's cool. Who was not used in the in Dino Charge at all? Ooh, I like that. See, this incentive for me to go watch the Sentai. I like this. Right. Yes, I like yeah. this idea. But they look kind of like the Vivasaurs, the Vivasaurs, except they're green. Yes. And I'm amazed Toho didn't sue them because they get mad at anybody who uses that suffix. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Toho's kind of nutty when it comes to that. I also Alex- put down bones. Yeah, because yeah, you, you're a big skeleton guy, and you know I I play a skeleton bad guy from Power Rangers, so I had yes, to. Plus, we know. they're also recycling the name of the first monster of the week in Power Rangers. Yes, uh, yeah. Bones was one of Bones. Uh, you two both said two of my favorites, but Bones was so awesome looking. And then when he uses his powers, I didn't quite understand what was happening. <laughs> I got first, it. I thought I he, thought it was he funny. Takes, he he literally his, he steals people's courage yes. by take by grabbing their backbone. Get it? Yeah, oh, I got it. But when he first does it, the guy falls down immediately. I was like, oh, he can cripple them immediately. And then it's like, oh no, he's they're cowardly. I get it. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was clever. I, I was like, you know what? I'm with it. And he, but then he comes back multiple times because they do the goofy resurrection machine thing yeah. because Saban loves recycling monster suits. It goes all the way back to Mighty Morphin. They recycled it's, monster suits all the time. It's cheap. It's it cheap. Yeah. So we got to see him come back a lot. <laughs> but I thought his first episode when he was stealing people's backbones was pretty cool. And then so the Rangers awesome. have to learn to be, you know, to rediscover their, their courage. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's a good one. And given uh, the fact that Fury was based on the Cowardly Lion and he literally gets turned into the I think I even thought that was like they turned him into the Cowardly Lion. Because <laughs> he, he was the first victim of Bones. Because he was like, let me show you how my powers work. <laughs> and then was he keeping it in a bag too? Like he would take the backbones and put it in a bag and then they had to blow yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, he had a bag. He had a bag that he carried with him because all the <laughs> all the all the backbones fly out of him when they get their courage back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the other one, and I'm just mentioning him because he's kind of a weird monster of the week and the name is funny. And normally I don't care for the weirdo holiday specials that end up basically being a oh, post finale yeah. finale for each season. You're going to pick mine. Is Scumlaw? Yes. yes. He's so good. He's, He's so, so weird. Good. I'm like the name. I'm like, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick you for the for the it, Monster of the Week highlights just for the name. It reminded like, me of Arrested Development. It was like blah 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 blah. And I was I saw scum law. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> but he's he's this guy who works at like the Halloween court because this is from the Halloween of the Halloween episodes. And 
he gets the Rangers put on trial and he's like, you're, he's basically trying them for murdering the monsters of the week. Mm-hmm. So he finds the ghosts of the monsters of the week and gets them to testify <laughs> against the Rangers. And they're like, hold on, you guys were the ones doing all the bad stuff and we had to stop you. It was so cool. It was so cool. I loved it. It was so good. I don't, I don't normally care for these clip show holiday specials, but this one actually had an amusing framing story. And the it's name. So just the name was so good. It's just Scumlaw. Oh my gosh. An evil lawyer monster of the week. I just, and then the one we can't forget. Evil, Ty- evil elf Tyler from the... <laughs> <laughs> I actually really liked him doing the evil elf Tyler because it was so ridiculous. It was great. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Do you have any more? Because I have one more on here as a favor to a listener. So, so bones, Badusa, and then singe, uh, scumlaw and then singe for his first debut episode were mine. Yeah. Uh, Michael. yeah. Oh no, you were, you only had two. You're a green cell and Bedusa. I, I only had two. Okay. Only, I only had two, but I, right. I could have I could have easily thrown Scum Law in there as well. Oh, sorry. Okay. And, yeah. Elf Tyler. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jamie. This is for you because you asked us to. Beauty cruel. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. This <laughs> Who is, an is a apparently a, a female Vivix. That yes. is uh, that had a crush. On, well, who was it? Fury? I think it was Fury. No, or was it Wrench? She had a crush on one of the bad guys, and then Poissandra turns her into, you know, gives her an actual personality and and everything with a makeover, and then she can turn into a, a hot chick and tries to get with Chase, which causes him some relationship drama and everything. So he, she's used pretty effectively in the course of the episode, but she looks absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> well, it, you know what it kind of looks like? It, it looks like something that they, that the production crew working on, on power Rangers, not super Sentai just said, God, we need a monster of the week guys. What can we do? Well, let's just, uh, let's just throw some makeup on top of a Vivix costume. That would work. Yes, let's do that. Actually, yes. Michael, Beauty Cruel is from the Sentai. Really? I mean, I assumed it was, but it just sure. looks. It Remember looks... how I said that the Vivix were related to something that got censored? Oh, it's because they're they're apparently Beauty Cruel. Uh, her Sentai counterpart is similar. And that, you know, it's the henchman that got all dolled up, except she is a queen of the, uh, the, uh, the, what did I say? The Zorima or whatever, uh, specifically a drag queen. Ah, okay. Beauty Cruel is a drag queen in the center. <laughs> oh, interesting. <Yep>. Oh. <laughs> Beautiful Zorima is her Sentai counterpart. That and is really that is, is a really drag queen. That is really interesting, though. Um, I understand why they felt like they needed to censor it, but that is really interesting. 
Yeah, it says beautiful Zorima can also use his brush on the Q Rugers to steal their color of power to boost the powers of her of his Zorima supporters, gaining capes of the zoo of the Q Rugers color while doing so. So yes, I had to mention Beauty Cruel for Jamie. He asked us. Oh, well, there okay. you go, Jamie. Well, that's nice. Thank you. There Jamie. you go. Anyway, Zords. Zords, and there's thankfully not a ton of them. Um, Looking at you, Wild Force and Mega yeah, Force, we can pretty. We I feel like we can get through these fairly easily. We're starting with the Dino Charge. Wait, hang on. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Not. It starts actually with the Dino Charge Megazord Tristego Petra Formation. Uh, Terra. Terra. Yeah, there's, yeah. It's modular. Just so you know, it's yeah. modular. Like a lot of modern super, well, actually, basically the super, all the Super Sentai Power Rangers swords of the last 20 years. They're very modular. So yeah, Dino Charge Megazord, which has Wait, different it- variations. Doesn't it start with Tristego, though? Yeah, starts with Tristego. Okay. Oh, I got it. I got then it they wrong. add the Terra, and then it can become the 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 Ultra Zord later. And okay. it's made up of the T Rex, the Stegosaurus, the Triceratops, and then we get the Terra later because mm-hmm. that's Ivan's, right? Yeah. So I mean. Mercifully, these Zords are not terrible, and the best part about them, they fart on people. So, that's oh, good lord! Uh, <laughs> that was another <laughs> shift with this season. Suddenly, we're getting into the potty humor when Power Rangers has been dignified enough not to do that. It's, yeah. I hey, would did imagine, you notice how much better the show got once the potty humor returned. Yes, uh, potty humor <laughs> makes everything better, uh, regardless of what Nathan says, it, yeah. and um. <laughs> I would imagine in the Sentai, I would imagine in the Sentai, it's probably just like noxious gas or something like that. But I, but they, I, I don't think so. But but they make the fart sounds. They have the fart sound effects when they're doing it. And it's awesome. And it, it yeah. made me laugh. But I do like the, but in all seriousness, I do like the design of these Zords. These are the most unoffensive. These are probably the most unoffensive, incredibly modular. Other Zords than the farting? Well, other than the farting, these are the most non-offensive modular Zords that we I think we've seen so far. Yeah, they're not ridiculously over-designed, which is nice. And they look like they can actually move around a fair amount. Yeah, even when you get to the Ultra Zord formation, it actually looks like it can do things. Outside of yeah, just right. stand there and shoot weapons. Looking at you, Samurai. I will say that coming from you know, where I am in the series to here is a bit of a bit of a adjustment <laughs> because, you know, it's nothing is practical here or some of it is. No, so, a lot of it is elements, but a lot of the transformations and some of the acrobatics are not, uh, and they're very clearly not, but this is my least favorite Zord of all of them. I will say that, but I did, I did come around on it, but honestly, the T-Rex is almost a little too plasticky. That's my only. That's my only. Well, it's very. It's very toyetic. Yeah. Yes, it, and it's supposed it's, to be. It's supposed it is. To be. Yeah. It is. That's that, that became a that became very apparent the later on later in the Sentai you get and then later in Power Rangers you get everything looks very toyetic. 
Um, I will say that I do appreciate what I do appreciate a lot about these Zords, especially the Zord transformation sequences, is they are practical. Like the this this I, I've missed most of them. I've missed. I've I've really really missed like practical Zord transformations. Mm. Um, I think the last great practical Zord transformation we got was in space, where the Astro Mega ship is transforming into the Megazord. Yeah, but that, that's where I'm at right now. So I'm coming from oh, behind what it sounds like. Oh, it, <laughs> the Megazord and in space is beautifully simple. But anyway, but but Michael, no hat adjustment. Yes, Nathan, I miss the I miss the little hat adjustment from the legendary Megazord from Megaforce, right. which is probably the only the, the Megazord for that is probably the only b- big bright spot that I actually like. So, right, right. I, I do I do like the Dino Charge Zords. They do look very toyetic, very plasticky, but there's a good variety. That's one thing that mm-hmm. like when that's one thing when other dinosaur seasons really just kind of lean into those like well-known dinosaurs. Obviously T-Rex has to be there. You um, have to. Stegosaurus has to be there. Triceratops has to be there. Uh, but what I really enjoyed about this one in, in this season in particular is they were digging into like different Zord, like this, like we were seeing like different Zords here. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Raptors, uh, like the Raptor Zord, the Ankylosaurd, the, the, yeah. the Mecha Angerus. <laughs> Mecha Ang, yeah, the Pachycephalosaurus Zord, Pachyzord, whatever. Yeah, the the um, Parazord, uh, and a couple of them can't do have Megazord modes, like mm-hmm. the the Pterodactyl Zord, the Pterozord can turn into a Megazord. I noticed that you didn't have Spinozord on this list, so oh, that- did I forget? Did I leave out Spinozord? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I left so out Spinozord. I, left I was out Spinozord. going. I was going to say, actually, I think I prefer the Spinozord, the Spinomegazord, above the the regular uh, T-Rex Megazord. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although the the Plesiozord, which is basically Kendall's, that has my favorite transformation sequence. It's so Mm -hmm. awesome. I love it the is. transformation sequence for the Plesiozord when it it's in orbit and it turns into the robot mode, but. The three us three Godzilla fans would be remiss to not talk about Titanosaurus Zord. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's right? so cool. That is actually its name. They, I think, they intentionally call it Titanosaur to avoid comparisons. But if you look at the the nomenclature on their chargers, like their Dino chargers and everything, it says Titanosaurus, and on the Ranger Wiki, it says Titanosaurus. It's cool too. I like it. It's, I'm just saying, I, I need a Toho. I need a Mecha Titanosaurus. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I like these Zords. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're good. They're, they're solid Zords. I, I don't know if we need to spend any more time on them, but they're just really solid. We do Zords. have to spend time on one. The oh, moodiest man, of the one. This oh. is true. The evil Terra Megazord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 for that hot minute when fury actually had command of <laughs> of one of the yeah. dino chargers i think it was cool yes. it was cool yes quite very cool yes quite mm-hmm. um but yeah no no the the evil the evil terrazord was really was really good i, I like that uh, they they don't do the they don't do the uh villain invades the the megazord thing very often but i, I did like that right mm-hmm Right. All right. Now we got to park on our thematic discussion. This is what I was waiting on. 
Yeah. This was what I was waiting on. Yeah. You and I, Michael, we talked, it took us a little while to really land on one. We were enjoying Dino Charge, but we weren't quite figuring out what the theme should be. Well, it was just because it was all over the place. Like, I, I just felt like Dino Charge, like, thematically was all over the place. And it was really just hard but to not nail in a bad down. way. But not in a bad Yeah, it, it wasn't a mess. It wasn't a mess like Overdrive or Wild Force. It, it was just it was just hard to, like, really pin down a theme. It was probably not until, I don't know, like, maybe halfway, two-thirds, two-thirds way through the first season that I, that we started to see a trend. Mm-hmm. Um and so the theme we ended up landing on was selflessness versus selfishness or just selflessness. That's, yeah. uh, or even as, as, uh, Alex, as you pointed out earlier on the episode, it could, you could also insert heroism in there as well. Yeah. But I, I like the idea of selflessness in here because usually what we try to do is we want to find a theme that most if not all of the characters exemplify in some way and in this case the villains are negative examples because mm-hmm. they are the opposite because really we we call it spontaneous heroism but the uh, but the energems mm-hmm. bond with humans who yeah do spontaneous heroism but it's selflessness and i think prince philip really right. drives that home because he's doing what on the surface seem like selfless things, but he still has selfish motives. I want the to activate the gem and use it and become a ranger. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not until he actually does something genuinely selfless that he's able to bond with it. And then right. we see how all of the characters in one form or another exemplify that. And then what I think is the one of the best examples of it is there are several episodes where the concern is if the Rangers don't keep being selfless, they're going to lose the bond with the Energem. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was a cool little twist. Yeah. So like there's a one where the monster of the week severs because he has scissors. <laughs> he oh, severs yeah. the metaphorical bonds of friendship, power of friendship. <laughs> he severs all of it. So they start acting like jerks to each other, not to everybody, just to each other. And then Kendall and who was it? it was Coda because Coda is just so loyal that the scissors don't work. It was yeah, it was Coda. It was Coda. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, if we don't help them, then they're going to lose their bonds because they're acting like such jerks to each other. Right. And so that really hammers it home. You have to remain selfless in order to maintain the power that the gem has given you. Mm-hmm. And then Fury, he has an inner gem, and he's just trying to exploit it. And he has to constantly recharge it so he can use the super cool evil pterodactyl sword. Mm. So, he, but he can only use it in a short burst. Right. Now that's also because Ivan is stuck inside of him and is running interference. But I still like the idea that yeah, you can use the energem without bonding to it, but it doesn't work nearly as well. Mm-hmm. Alex, I'll, I'm, I was going to let you go. Ahead. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, okay. Oh no, um, I was going to let I was going to let you go next because I've I'll I'll I'll, I'll I, I've got I mean, things to say, but I want to give you I want to give you room to say. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement about all, uh, the this theme selflessness because even our episodes that become hyper focused on one personal care one character's uh, plight is uh, you know we've already mentioned it a couple of times, but. 
the Chase and Shelby episode where he's making fun of her for the things she likes. You know, he realizes that he really needs to care about her and what he's, he needs to think about what his actions are doing to her mm-hmm. and not just about, you know, having a good time. Even if it's just all in good fun, it, he needs to realize that he's hurting others. And yeah. so we, we see just these personal stories. I mean, the most, and it's not even selfish really, but the most yeah. selfish story any of the Rangers really has is the Tyler's pursuit of his dad, right? Mm-hmm. He's the only one that's really chasing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas and, the rest are just there to defend it, but it's not—it's not selfish, really. It's just—I mean, who wouldn't? He would want to find his dad, yeah. But I mean, he's the one who's chasing something the longest, because some of the characters, some of the characters, like Riley, will chase something for an episode. Right. You know, I want to—I uh, want to use my Energem to win a, a marathon against my old high, high school bully. Well, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I won't. You know. Or mm-hmm. uh, Riley tries to live vicariously through Coda and his amazing baseball prowess. Right. And then he learns, you know what? I, I'm trying to do this for myself and not for Coda. Right. Right. And you just see that all throughout the, sh- the show. I mean, most of our, it, it, again, you've already said it, Nathan, but Prince Philip is the shining beacon, I guess, of what the season really is mm-hmm. all about. And it is that selflessness at the end of the episode. Um, and that's where everybody comes in. I mean, it's, it's the whole way you get the powers. Yeah. <laughs> right? so- Ken- Kendall has to do things on her own and put herself on the line for the greater good mm-hmm. to yeah. get the power. Mm-hmm. It's right? uh, like I said, it's such a great way to, to get the, uh, to emphasize the heroism of these characters without being didactic about it. it. You could have gotten didactic about it, but when you, your whole motif is you have to be unselfish in order to be a superhero. Right. I mean, it, it's built in right there. Yeah. The bad guys are trying to get the energems to use for nefarious purposes, but we've guaranteed that the power will be used by people who will use them wisely. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have you know Zenowing and Doomwing, where Doomwing basically has to exploit the hero inside of him in order to use the power. He finds a loophole, basically, yeah, that he can exploit, which is why they have to be separated, and why after they're separated, Lord Arcanon says, you know, you're useless to me. He's like, no, just let me rebond with him, and then I can be the the Silver Ranger again, and I can be useful again. Yeah, it, it's also, you know, the, this theme of selflessness, the selfishness versus selflessness is because we like, to, like you said, Nathan, we like to find things that apply to most. If ideally it's all of our characters, but most of our characters is a lot of times how what we have to work with. But even on the villain side, like when you talk, when you think about selfishness, the, this whole time we see this relationship between Poissandra and Sledge, Poissandra her her sole motivation she just wants to be married to the man the creature she loves and sledge just keeps putting her off i feel like like in sledge's very selfish pursuit of the inner gems he's neglecting someone who actually loves him mm-hmm. yeah it's a different dynamic than what we because you and i were talking about that's like oh, oh look it's rita and zed again you know we get another wedding in a way in Power yeah Rangers. but yeah. Initially, 
Zed and Rita was Rita manipulating the situation. And then we find out later, no, they actually do love each other. The love yeah, potion that, wore off. I think I our, gave that a, I think that was one of, didn't, wasn't that one of our awards or was that like a standout moment for that, for season three? I think where, we did, we did talk about that. You all talked Gold, about it, yeah. Yeah, where Goldar, like he, he essentially breaks the spell over Zed, but it turns out Zed actually loves Rita and it was a beautiful thing. In a yeah. very evil sort of way. Well, but, in a very, yeah. yeah, in a very evil sort of way, but still it's, it, it was still a beautiful thing. And I just, you know, it, like Sledge's like single minded, selfish pursuit of the inner gems. He's, he's, he's just neglecting the, the one person, probably the only person on in the universe that actually gives a damn about him. Right. But I'm not entirely sure their relationship is entirely unselfish on either end. I think honestly, like you were saying, I think it probably is very selfish on both of their ends. They just, they're just able to pretend long enough to fake it, I guess a little bit, or maybe they do want to quote love each other, but it's in that very, it's in a very selfish sort of way, you know, kind of like the, as C.S. Lewis talks about this in the four loves, you know, how you can have a, a mother who quote unquote loves her children, but it's, she loves her children for what they can give her. Yeah. Which I'm currently in the process of reading for, because of your recommendation. It's just a really dense book to get. Through. It is. It's very short, but it's really dense. Yeah. It's only like oh. a, it's only like 200 and some pages, but it's very dense. C.S. Mm -hmm. Lewis in general is just very dense, but um, yeah, I, I think I, I kind of equate it. It's, it's not entirely this, but I, I, I equate that relationship between Poissandra and Sledge as sort of a political marriage where you have two people with high ambition that get married because the, because one can do something for the other and vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily political, but I do think, I think to a certain extent, they kind of just like the idea of being in a relationship. Poissandra definitely, I, I almost wonder if Poissandra's almost more in love with the idea of being in love than she is Sledge. Huh. Maybe, maybe, but there, uh, there is a part of me that believes that she actually cares about Sledge. Right. Well, not Sledge so much too. what I mean, Sledge. He would, I think Sledge would break it off if he really didn't care. I think he's just annoyed at having to answer to anybody. Right. You know, probably. Probably because he uh, he doesn't strike me as the type that really wants to answer. Anybody. So maybe he's like, yeah, I like Poissandra, <laughs> but I kind of don't like having to answer to anybody. So I'm going to do my thing, but keep her around because I like having a, a lovely heart shaped female <laughs> around. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And there are people who are like that. You know, they'll of keep course. people around so they can look good or they can feel good about it, but they really don't put a lot well, into the relationship itself. Well, they, well, they, they, they keep people around because, uh, because they're, because a lot of times I've seen a lot of relationships with my friends that they'll just keep dating the same person because it's either comfortable or they're too afraid to be alone. And right. so, so they would rather have someone they're not fully in love with than have no one at all. Does that make right. sense? I've also known people who will constantly just cycle through people in dating relationships. They can't keep mm -hmm. one for very long, but they'll just keep cycling through right. after one ends because they, 
they have to be with somebody. It's an insecurity. Hmm. Hmm. I agree. Alex, you're Alex. You're usually a pretty Alex. You're usually a pretty thoughtful person. At least what I've heard. At least what we've heard on MVM. Any more thoughts on thematic? No, I mean, I mean that that's that's also probably true, right? People get stuck. I mean, they've been in this relationship for sixty four million years, sixty five million, sixty five million years, Um, and so yeah, they're comfortable. And so they're not going to, they're not going to rock the boat or, or, you know, it's pretty bold of her to, to try to break up with him. You know, she didn't mean it. She's just manipulating him. Um, (laughs) But you're, you're right. I mean, there's definitely some real world precedent for their type of relationship. It is not an unusual thing to come across. No. And I think the, we get a nice contrast with Poissandra and Sledge with Chase and his girlfriend. Yes. Where she almost breaks up with him because he's just too full of himself. All he does is talk about his trophies and what he likes. And then it takes Shelby who gives him a, a little bit of female friend advice and says, you know what? Why don't you ask her what she likes? Mm -hmm. Now he has to do that as the black Ranger because she gets infatuated with the black Ranger. And then he breaks it off as the black Ranger. So she goes back to chase. It's, weird and funny and i kind of like it <laughs> and then he starts remembering you know what i need to actually be interested in her mm-hmm. you know if i if she's definitely you know letting me talk and being interested in what i have to say but i need to do the same thing for her exactly yep. you know and uh, they're cute together i have to say she shows up a couple of times and i kind of wish we had seen a little bit more resolution to what came of them but right. I yeah. liked what I did see. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I hope to see, I don't know if she's a character that comes back or not, but I feel like it's not even wrapped up almost. I mean, I mean, I feel like he's done for, but I feel like the characters we didn't see actually go out. I mean, I know it's a kid's show. You're not going to see him burn to a crisp, but <laughs> man, I feel like Poise Andrews still got to be around somehow. A uh, spoiler warning: Most of these villains do come back in later seasons. Oh, that's exciting! I don't know how, which is why I have opinions about the finale. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Any more thoughts on all of this? How the you know the Rangers embody this, and the villains are the negatives. No, I, I think from at least from my perspective, it's a you know. We didn't once we once we arrived at the theme, it we didn't have to we didn't have to work very hard to get there. No, you know, there's been a lot of times that we've had to work really hard on thematics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I keep picking on Wild Force, and it's not because Wild Force is a terrible season. It's just because the thematics the thematics in that season are just a mess. Right, right. Um, uh, and a little bit, just a little bit. It's got a little bit of a personality crisis in in, in a lot of a ways. little bit. Um, just a, I did think of a couple more examples, you know, like Ivan and Zenowing. They're mm-hmm. the way they learn to be unselfish is because they have to learn to work with a team. They can't right. be loners. And then mm-hmm. back to our back to our boy Albert. You know, he has to learn that, you know, he might be just a little bit too old to be a ranger. Looking at you, JDF. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> the mighty Morphin Geezer Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is a little bit on from even looking at it from his perspective, like I don't know, like putting like being in his position, <clears throat> I don't know if I don't know if I could have given up that power, honestly. Like thinking about it. Like even if I know that I like even if I know that I can't physically do it, but just having that type of power and then freely giving it away like that, that takes something. And I don't know. And looking back and looking at it a little bit introspect, introspectfully, um, I don't know if I would be able to do that. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or, or something I need to go to therapy for, but, um, <laughs> uh, Michael, we get it. You just really love the spandex. It's not spandex. Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, uh, Alex, you'll understand once you see RPM also dragon dagger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> RPM is wonderful, but yeah, I mean, that's really all I had for that's personally all. That's all I had for thematics. I mean, we arrived once, once it was there, once we once we arrived at it, it was pretty pretty easy thing. To Actually, let me throw a huge wrench, as in our sad fella here uh, on the villain side. Oh, don't make me sad. <laughs> what about James Navarro? Was he selfish or unselfish? Oh. See, now, I, that's not fair because I've already been really mean to that guy earlier on in the episode. I understand, but... Was he being selfish or unselfish? Well, if, if we're, his crystal ahead, would be telling him, no, I'm not. Because he goes out. If he was being super selfish, he would have lost his powers probably. Mm. So I guess mm. it, as Crystal is concerned, he mm. is he has to leave because he has to go find the ship and all the other stuff he's having to do. So according to the Crystal, mm. but the, clearly the Crystals are wrong. Therefore, the Power Rangers <laughs> are evil. <laughs> I mean, this show does show, this show does illustrate that the crystals can be wrong, um, but but yeah, I mean, looking at it from that perspective, I guess he like to if if you look at it from the perspective of he has to go out and and do something for the greater good, or he's if you're if you're injecting fan theory or headcanon into it that he that he um, that he had to distance himself to protect Tyler. Okay, yeah, I, you could you could make the argument that it was selfless. Um, if it was just he was busy being a ranger and didn't give two shits about Tyler while he was <laughs> out doing dagger. the ranger, while he was out doing the ranger thing, yeah, that was that was selfish. So I yeah. I don't know. Like there's yeah. there's there's you could go either way on it. Honestly, right, right. Now yeah. I will say this: this will be my concluding thought on the whole thing. Yeah, Prince Philip is probably the best illustration of You're this, right. but I would say there is another ranger who just embodies the whole thing just absolutely naturally because I don't think he ever has any focus episodes where he has to learn to be selfless, and that's Coda. Yeah. yeah. Coda is just that. so delightfully unselfish the whole time. You know, Coda is just happy to be there. You know, he, yeah. he, he, and I don't say that to be cheeky, but Cody, Coda is just happy to be there. Mm -hmm. And even when he screws up, he's always trying to figure out how to be better because yeah. he just doesn't know things. 
Yeah. He doesn't know how things are done. And because he doesn't know how things are done, sometimes you can kind of take advantage of that. Looking and at you, Riley. Bit, <laughs> and, and there's a little bit of and there's a little bit of beauty in that ignorance or that mm-hmm. beauty in, in the innocence of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But oh boy, if you get on Coda's bad side, which is kind of hard to do. Oh, Encino Man is going to murder you. <laughs> right. <laughs> that and righteous indignation, that caveman I mean, indignation will be. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the, the, the caveman calisthenics, you know, I, as many as much caveman calisthenics as he does. I mean, it's that'd be Absolutely. scary, Coda. <laughs> uh, I mean, we even find out in his backstory that with a monster that doesn't really make sense, but he was told as a child by his grandfather, "Don't go in the, don't go in here. It bad." And then he always did it. He never knew what was in there until yeah. I guess maybe, you know, maybe in that episode where he's like, no, now I'm grown up. I can actually do it probably because he yeah. just didn't think there was anything there, mm-hmm. but he was still a good little cave kid, cave Kenny, great little cave Kenny, <laughs> cave Kenny. <laughs> he never crossed it. <laughs> I don't even know how to follow up on cave Kenny and transition us in. So I'm just going to say, well, I, that was our thematic discussion. So I'm going to ask you, the listeners with attitude, did we get it right? Do you have a different theme in mind for Dino Charge and, and Dino Supercharge? Tell oh, us. Here, by here, twi- here, let me clarify. Jamie, tell us if we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Jamie, tell us if we're wrong. Um, but no, seriously, if, if you guys had a different theme, if you did, had, guys had different thematics in mind, please let us know. Tweet at us. Uh, send us an email. You know how to get in touch with us. So now... It's time to get into my one of my favorite parts of the show, and that's our awards, which are these series of awards that we give to huh. the best moments of a particular season that we talk about that I totally did not borrow and perfect from a different podcast. This it all looks so familiar. I was going to say, so you <laughs> stole it from Henshin Men, who stole it from MVM. <laughs> who stole it technically from the Kaiju Apostle? Wait, what? No, we didn't. No, we did not. That did not happen. No, that did not happen. It's like it's just this long series of thievery. I just Kaiju. I, I, I don't even think they had awards over there. Did they not have? Oh, I can't remember. It's been so long since I since I listened to David's okay, shows. Okay, fine. Here, know. I'll settle this right now. None of us are getting bonded to any Energems. Let's talk awards. <laughs> All right, let's talk awards. So, right. so, okay, okay. So, the first award is our Power Range of Motion award that we give to the best stunt or fight scene. So, Alex, what do you got? Um, this was really hard because there's some really cool stuff in here, <laughs> like really cool. But uh, I'm gonna give it to the 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 first time T Rex supercharge fight. When Tyler gets T Rex supercharged for the first time, he gets that sweet white suit with the dinosaur face on the front. Ooh, <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, his battleizer! Yeah, yeah, his battleizer, and he goes up against the. I forgot the monster's name. He's the Ninja Bro. He's the just the, Ninja. <laughs> I just called him Ninja Bro. Okay, Ninja. Oh no, his name is literally just Ninja. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Basic. So he goes up <laughs> against Ninja, and there's there's some really cool wire work going on during the fight. Mm. He does like this jumping blast where he's firing his gun down as he jumps away from him and then he does a sweet Liu Kang bicycle kick (laughs) 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 it's really cool it's really cool so that that gets my award yeah well I'm gonna go 
Uh, I'm going to go next. I'm going to go next because uh, Nathan stole mine. Um, <laughs> Na- I'm gonna, my, because oh, I have one and I'm going to give a runner up as well. So mine is the obligatory invasion of the command center during the finale, Kendall versus Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is, which is really good. Like Kendall can hold her own in a fight, obviously, but like the fight choreography and a little bit of, and, and some of the wire work in that, in that, whole scene was really really good because it was such kind of it was a little bit more of an intimate setting and there wasn't a ton of space to move around so what they were able to do in that space uh during that scene was really was really interesting also i have a runner-up which is uh from episode two and it's fury versus riley when riley is unmorphed because you get because because Riley gets to show off some of his some of his sword skills that he's learned during by he's learned from fencing Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's these guys are really good at fighting. Are, like like, like Coda, especially. Holy moly! Some of those acrobatics he has outside oh, yeah. of the suit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you can find Coda's caveman calisthenics videos right next to <laughs> to Zach's uh, hip hop keto videos. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, shout out to our friends at Giant Size Violence for that. <laughs> So, yeah. Nathan, what is your power range of motion? Award? Interestingly, I'm giving it to a Zord fight. We normally do that for the special oh. effects awards, but I'm giving it to a Zord fight. Uh, it'll, it's uh, Rexy versus the Vivazord in episode one. Oh. And I don't know. I, you I, actually there was didn't some... steal mine. I take that. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no energem for you. <laughs> Slander. Anyway. So, maybe there were better choices later, and... Maybe it's just the very j- viscerally joyous response I had to it when we were watching it together, Michael, after 80 plus episodes of crap. And I'm just like, there is a giant red robot T-Rex fighting a big nasty monster in the first episode. I need more of this in my life. This is glorious. I have to give it to that one. They can, this show came out, oh, you know, it just came out swinging and it kept going. And it made me happy after, like I said, 80 plus episodes of crap. So for our next award, it is our Ultra SFX Zord Award, which we give to the best special effect. So Alex, what do you got for this one? I got to give it to the Terrazord Megazord. Uh, <laughs> I think it- Good or evil? Evil. Oh. Or should I say, uh, is it for good or for or for awesome? Oh, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> That's a Helmstar reference for, awesome. for, for everybody. Yes, <laughs> it's it's a it, honestly either version is fine because I wasn't a bit like I've already said I'm not a big fan of the normal Megazord. Uh, so when I saw this, I was like, oh, this looks so much better. And then every every Zord after this one was so much better. So uh, this was a, a big turning point for me. So I got to give it to. The the Terrazord Megazord, especially with a cape. Yeah. Oh yes, the cape. <laughs> I told this I to Michael. It's like, oh, it. there's a caped Megazord coming. I hope you're prepared. I forgot about the cape. Damn it. Yeah, if, uh, Alex. So when you get to Mystic Force, I had an entire lecture prepared for <laughs> for Michael. As to the awesomeness and, and utility of capes, 
because he was Edna Mode for that. Because he's like, I hate the fact that these Rangers have capes. So you have something to look forward to. Yes, <laughs> That's why right. I gave him such I'm a hard time. That's why I gave him such a hard time. Anyway. Yeah. So for my Ultra SFX Zord Award, I'm going to yes, say... <laughs> I'm going to say something that I normally don't say on this podcast. And... <gasps> Nathan, you have good taste because my award is going to actually go to your award from the previous award, the T-Rex versus the Vivazords from episode one, because I I think you're right, because (laughs) I think you're right. Like we've endured so much crap over the last, technically it's been four seasons, but two episodes um, with, uh, with, with uh, some of the other seasons that we've watched that it was so, it was so refreshing to see that sequence and to see how big in scale everything felt like it it felt epic and seeing tyler ride uh ride on top (laughs) of the on top of the uh, on top of rexy's snout and go and be launched into battle uh that was that was an epic moment i i really have to give it up to the vfx team for the sentai obviously for for putting that sequence together but it was it was really really well done and i loved it Mm-hmm. Ride the T-Rex. <laughs> you can feel his hot, but you know he's clean. I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> Nathan, what is your award? The Plesiosaur transformation. Mm, yeah. I knew this Specifically coming, yeah. the transformation because it is 100% practical effects and it's mm-hmm. glorious. It's in mm-hmm. orbit. The the that Megazord looks really cool when it's done. I just look at that. It's like I this is what I need. I just I love practical effect Zords, especially for the transformation sequences. Right. Because the farther along we get, the more they're relying on CGI for all of this. And I understand it. I get it. Maybe you want to do it because you want to look. You, know, you want you want to look more like a Hollywood production or whatever. But. You know, this classic tokusatsu right here, yeah, it's always going to be better. Yeah. It just is. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a good choice. So our next award is our More Phenomenal Mad Libs, which we give to the best line that we found in the particular season. So, Alex, what do you got? <laughs> Mine's by uh, Hexmas. Oh, um, Hexamus. <laughs> we didn't talk about Hexamus in the true finale because yeah. that Christmas episode's after the finale. So he, he's about to be annihilated and he's sitting on his sleigh and he says, now I just have to buckle myself in and then he gets wiped off the face of the earth. <laughs> it's so weird because he says it so casually. Like he thinks he's going to be able to get in and like be safe if he buckles himself in. Now I just have to buckle myself in. And then he explodes. <laughs> was like, I was like, what? What just happened? It was good. I was surprised that wasn't used for the next award. Uh, <laughs> so, so for mine, mine actually, I picked it because uh, it's not like super impactful, but it actually kind of ties into our thematics. It's, an, it's a line from Zenowing. Uh, when he just simply says imitation never beats the real thing. Now hear me out. Yeah. I wish this line was, I wish I knew this line whenever we were talking about Megaforce, we're not going into that, but <laughs> the, the reason why I picked this one, and I really feel like it, it kind of goes into thematics of this particular season is 
when we're talking about selfishness or I'm sorry, we're talking about selflessness. You can't fake selflessness. You can, I should take that back. You can fake selflessness, but it's empty and it never really goes anywhere, which we, which we've talked about. We've talked, we talked about in the thematic discussion where we have Rangers who, who try to fake selflessness to get the energy and the energy. And you can't do that because it really never gets you what you really want. You have to be genuine and you have to be real with your selflessness to get anywhere. So that's the reason why I picked that particular line. Right. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. All right. I have a runner up, as I've said before, my criteria for a best line is it has to either be profound, BA, or funny. Mm-hmm. And my runner-up goes to Chase, and this is the BA line. And there, so there's an early episode of the show where Chase gets mind-controlled and causes all kinds of trouble for everybody. And then that finally gets broken. And oh, we should have mentioned this. The morphing sequence in this show is... Mercifully short. Is mercifully short, and it's crazy cool because the Rangers morphers are blasters. Mm-hmm. And then they shoot the blasters and then a dinosaur head comes uh, flying out and then s- flies around and then eats them and they get their costume. Yes. yes. It's kind of epic. I'm and surprised we didn't touch on that, but we should have, we should have. And so Chase has had the mind control broken and he's confronting the monster of the week to save the rest of the team. And he just points his morpher blaster at the, at the monster and just says, command this. (laughs) 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 And then just, and then blast him. It was great. But my actual winner, weirdly enough, goes to keeper. And I just, this was the one keeper line that got away from being a cliche and got me thinking a little bit. Which is he? I believe he was talking. He was talking to Riley. I think it was Riley. It was Riley or Chase? I think it was Riley though. And he says, "Is it not possible that two different paths lead to the same destination?" But you know what? Did you know that it is possible for two paths to lead to the same destination? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that was the whole lesson because they had two. Uh, because. Keeper was illustrating to Riley. Yeah, you and Chase have two different approaches, but you get to the same place. Yeah, you have the same goal. Right. Yeah. Does it matter how you get there as long as you get there? Maybe you can learn some things about. You tell how that the other to those math there. teachers that want you to show your work. If I get the answer right, do I have to show my work? <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe it's not universally applicable, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Close enough. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. Close enough. Close enough. All right. So for our last award, it is our I, I, I can't believe that happened for the craziest moment. <laughs> I'm going to break rank and say, I'm just going to go first because I feel like we're all going to have the same award. Maybe, but nope. No. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So okay, maybe Alex needs to go first anyway. Well, no, maybe you- Alex Maybe Alex. No, I'm going last. <laughs> right. So mine is just simply literally everyone on earth dies. End of story. Oh, yeah. There we that go. That's crazy. Uh, Michael, I've read a little bit ahead, and that's going to get more complicated. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. 
but literally we see we see the we see the the earth be sucked into a black hole and I'm th- and we're Nathan and I are thinking did literally everyone on earth just die because I think so I mean <laughs> that's a pretty dark turn for power yes they retconned it with they retconned it with the 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 time travel shenanigans uh, yeah. they reversed everything yeah, remember how and, I used to say that Jimmy survived the war in space on the monster on the phone vault the power of the retcon that's literally what just happened to this. right and there was ways they could have fixed that. They, there was ways they could have avoided that. And I, I don't think we, unfortunately, we probably don't have time to go into how they could have fixed it. But there were ways they could have fixed it. Um, but yeah, every that that was crazy. I also had a runner up. Uh, so another villain wedding. There we go. <laughs> and did 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 Fury interrupt post marital intercourse? <laughs> Between, yeah, the between wedding got Sledge interrupted, and, and you know, Fury's oh. like, "We gotta do things," and I'm like, "I think Sledge is just over there too, starting." Son. Yeah, I think Sledge is just over there starting the honeymoon early, and you yeah. just interrupted him, Fury. <laughs> talk about talk about spiky blue balls. Anyway, <laughs> all right, mighty morphin cock blockers. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Alex, what is your award? Uh my craziest moment was. Our Aqua Ranger straight up abandoning his child for so long. <laughs> of course, the dad in this call would take umbrage with that. <laughs> wow, it's funny. It's funny. I had that written down long before we ever talked about it, and now I'm like even more passionate about it. But yeah, yeah, and it's the craziest thing that happened this whole time. I can't believe this man. <laughs> I can't believe he has an energy. It just shows that the Power Rangers are bad guys. Oh, <laughs> that might be the hottest take on this show so far. Oh my yeah, gosh! There you go. Now you know. Uh, um, a scum law was right. <laughs> oh, hashtag scum law was right. <laughs> oh boy! All right, Nathan, what's your award? Are you gonna cut me loose? No, you're not allowed. No, you're not allowed. Fine. The last 10 minutes of the freaking uh, final. Well, it's not the final episode, but end of extinction. It makes no sense. And it honestly kind of kills all the goodwill that this show had built up for 40 plus episodes. But at least the dinosaurs lived after all. And they wear Christmas hats now. Why are you complaining? Why are you complaining? This this is Godzilla versus King Ghidorah logic, but it's even worse. It's one of the best things I got to learn. You know what? Shut up. It's happening anyway. Rentmaster activated. If you guys are going, you're just, you're, you're, you're triggering me now. You're intentionally trying to, I was like, fine, I'll, I will be a good boy and I won't get ranty, but you're like, oh, let's poke the bear. Let's poke the bear. So you poke the bear and the bear is angry. <laughs> the bear is angry. This makes no sense. Come on, Michael. You have to be on board with, we were invested in this finale and then we're like, frick, they just killed everybody. And then. Oh, wait, you put all 10 Energems together, time travel. You never talked about time travel before this. Why is there time travel now? And then yeah, let's not, I, then I thought, okay, they'll go back a couple of hours and try to keep yeah. the last 
you know, what happened the last ep- episode and a half from happening. That's, that's what I we're thought gonna, was going to happen. We're going to go back to 65 million years ago, and we're going to basically keep everything that led to the show from ever happening. And it makes I... no freaking sense because it should have undone everything, at least with Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. I know we were comparing it to that, but at least with that, it's technically creating a time loop. This undid everything. So by Back to the Future logic, because we all know that Back to the Future is the end all be all of time travel stories, nothing should have happened. It should have undone everything. It never should. It just. Yeah, it, it should have just all fallen apart. And nope, we're just going to act like everything is fine. And guess what? I read ahead and I know that they still completely disregard it because even though they flung our villains ruthlessly, I might add, into the sun 65 million years ago, awesome. they, the, the ones that got sucked through the wormhole are going to come back later, which just complicates everything because they only talk about that and not about the Earth that got sucked in with them. Listen. Listen, listen. Nathan. Time travel's a theory. No one knows what actually happens. Okay, Nathan. Uh, let me let me just let me just say let me. Just, but but let I agree me. with you, Nathan, and and everything you said. <laughs> I mean, it, let me. It, it, I I because I seriously debated. Like, does this completely ruin the entire show? Because I was enjoying this show right. so much. Right. And yeah. then the last ten this the, the last ten minutes of this thing, and, I'm just like, and, do I want to? Do I want to just? turn against the entire show 40 plus episodes they because of 10 minutes the only all the, they could have done the smallest thing to fix it i understand they could have done the smallest thing and by the smallest thing i mean get like reference somewhere in the series that when that the inner gems possess the power of time travel that's all they had to do that's all they had to do Right. Is is make that reference is is allude to that or give us that or just outright just come right out and say it early on in the season. But they didn't. Uh, You're right. And there's a lot of things they could have done. Like we talked about the theory that they could like they could have flown the Megazords into space, had them grab hold of the uh, the 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 energy ropes that was tied yeah. the inner the anchors had them good were, lord the finale just, they for the finale they for the show is nuts it is it is i agree it's like gorath levels of nuts but like <laughs> they could have they could have easily they could have easily just done, they could have flown the megazords into space have them drag the earth out of the black hole by those anchors and that would have helped like that would have totally just and and let the and let the villains plunge and let the villains go into the black hole and you know maybe leave it a little open-ended that they could possibly come back and honestly that would have been so much more exciting yeah i would have i've seen stuff like that in comic books it would have been great in close in closing nathan i do have i do have to just put i'm going to say something that's hopefully going to put your mind at ease okay it's I'm just listening. a kid show. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're better than that, Michael. You're better than that. Don't give me the "it's just a kid show" fallacy. Here, Alex is, Alex I, is a bad I, influence. I don't like to go to that fallacy, but when it comes to something complicated like time travel, it is. I yeah. have to give it a pass. I agree you with you, Nathan, yeah. in every way. I agree with you in every way. Of what you said. Yeah. It makes zero sense. Everything should have been undone if dinosaurs are. It it, it just it makes zero sense. Yeah, but and, it's children's. It's time travel for children, and so I, I'm just trying to give it a pass for that. But I agree, 
It does not make sense. Right. And it kids, is frustrating. For sure. I don't better. think I personally do not think that this for me, for me personally, what we got, like if you if you just ignore that last 10 minutes and just take everything as a whole into account, this is a great season. This is yes. a great season. Yeah, so absolutely. So before Nathan has an aneurysm, let's go into <laughs> our let's let's go into our final thoughts. An so aneurysm Alex, you brought on me. I wasn't going to do it, but anyway. <laughs> so Alex, do you know what time it is? It's morphin time. Go, go, Rangers! And this is the part of the show where in 90 seconds combined or less, we give our final thoughts on the series that we're talking about. So do we have our timers ready, gentlemen? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So, uh, Alex, just since we got since we got a guest here, I'll let you go first. Uh, and then we'll just kind of take turns during that 90 seconds and give our final thoughts. So if you guys are ready, let's do it now. All right. Well, the show definitely had some speed bumps early on for me and it made it really complicated. I very quickly came to love a lot of the characters and everything, especially after our gold Raiders showed up and then the Zord, the new Zords really started hitting for me and everything was really great. I, I, I love the characters. I love what they decided to do with a lot of the story. And I think a lot of our villains are really cool. Mm-hmm. Even if we ignore Sly, uh, snide a little bit. So, Overall, this season is probably one of the best seasons I've seen, and definitely one that I would have to recommend, like to to jump somebody into Power Rangers. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, I had a after coming off of what we watched with Megaforce and Samurai and some of the other some of the earlier seasons, I had such a good time with Dino Charge and Dino Supercharge. Like this was honestly to me, this was a breath of fresh air for me as I'm as as I'm watching through the franchise. And you know, yeah, the last ten minutes are a little dubious. Okay, fine, but I'm 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 gonna try my best not to hold that against the entire show because I was, I was able to have so much fun with it. And speaking of fun, I'm going to go ahead and, and steal a quote from Chip Lynn uh, when he says dinosaurs, spaceships, and 65 million years of history. None of it was easy, but luckily it was fun. And I think that pretty well sums up for me anyway, dino charge and super dino charge. Are you there? Yeah. You just, you just uh, you just ate up my time. Oh, no inner gems for you. And no inner gems for me. I guess I was a little bit selfish. Oops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I. But in all in all fairness, I was going to tack on too since we're here. I the, Dino Dino Charge and Super Dino Charge will is a season that I will probably be revisiting in the future. It really was Neo Saban's peak. And it was a massive peak too. This is like the world's tallest mountain in a very large valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's a good, good analogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're making me so excited for all the older stuff. Yeah. So, so, uh, no, I'm Alex, just talking about the Neo Saban era. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Neo Savant era has been a little rough so far. Uh, but but Alex, Although, thank thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and, and, and doing this recording with us. I know it was a little bit longer than what you're typically used to. Uh, I will say that you have more intestinal fortitude than your co-host, Eric. <laughs> uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But I think but I think the real MVP of this episode has to be Cece because oh, she yeah. was she was willing to let you to let us borrow you for almost four hours to talk about Power Rangers. So thank you, Alex, for coming on. So let's you know, this is the time where you get to do all the shameless plugs and and talk about yourself. So go for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm one of the co-hosts of uh, Monsters versus Men. We just review monster movie podcasts. You'll find us on, you know, anywhere you listen to podcasts. I uh, also do 13th Floor, where we talk about conspiracy theories and weird science and just weird things that have happened in history. Weird um, science. And, <laughs> and yeah, that's it. Just uh, maybe if you're interested in seeing like maybe what movies or something that I watch, you can uh, find me on Letterboxd um, at Al Cornette. Yeah. And okay. shameless plug for us, uh, if you've not... Uh, listeners with attitude if you've not already go check out uh i know this episode was coming out a little bit later in the week than it typically does but uh hopefully you guys enjoyed our conversation with ron wasserman one of the original composers and songwriters for the power rangers franchise um if you have enjoyed that episode or if you've enjoyed this episode please let us know uh leave us a review contact us on twitter give us your feedback because we're always open and to let everybody know, since we're talking about episodes, we have a very interesting one coming up next oh, that boy. I would argue mm-hmm. is also a peak in the Neo Saban era, but I'm in the minority, I think. So, Nathan, what you're saying is we're going to go back and do a Megaforce and Super Megaforce Redux? Go to whatever river of despair the bad guys from Samurai <laughs> hang out in. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that's 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 not very super mega nice, man. I'm I'm sorry. No energy gem for you. Anyway, no. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Power Rangers 2017, the movie. Mm-hmm. I have been waiting for this for Ooh. a long time because yes. I think someone's going to have to borrow my rant masters. No, I, I, you know what, <laughs> Nathan, I, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but I don't think you're going to get what you want. Oh, and here I thought I, Jack, because our friend Jack Hudgens, Jack G man Hudgens from the drift space. I really thought he was going to live up to his reputation as a trigger man and get it out of you. He may very well be, but you know, him and I, you know, Jack and I have worked out some, we've worked out some of our differences. And I think that next episode, because you two used to drink a lot, (laughs) (laughs) but I think that next episode, when we talk about the 2017 power Rangers movie, that's going to be a phenomenal episode. So we're looking forward to a more phenomenal episode. It's going to be a very more phenomenal episode. And we're looking forward to talking with our friend, Jack. Uh, we did a really good episode with him and JR on the drift space. Um, I'm hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it comes out soon at the time of this recording. It is not. So JR, mm-hmm. you need to get on that. Um, where we talked about, uh, uh, uh soul shoot, of the dragon, soul of the dragon. There we go. The comic from boom studios. Mm-hmm. I'm still bringing popcorn to that recording. And with that, listeners with attitude, 
May you be selfless enough to bond with an Energem. And may you always be the keeper of your own Energem. And may you not be beautiful, but beautiful. And of course, may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at thepowertrippod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya! Yes, we'll play. <laughs> <laughs>